I like the um, I like heavy metal. I'm on my own for this intro, um, Liam here. Um, I'm actually not on this interview. Uh, I was busy and the boys did a great job in my absence, um, but they didn't record an intro. So I've taken it by myself to just quickly record a 30 second precede to what is actually a really fucking good interview with uh, Paul Towers from The Terrace. Um, there's going to be a bit of scheduling conflict, I suppose, over the next couple of next few episodes, um, because the so pals and Ben both away at download without me, um, unluckily. And I think next week it will just be me with a special guest, but uh, in yeah, we'll probably just discuss Euros and stuff like that. So in a couple of weeks' time, things will get back to normal, and you know there'll be the three of us on to do normal episodes as, you know, regularly scheduled programming returns. Um, yeah, so before we get into the interview, um, let's just quickly run through some housekeeping. Uh, socials are, by this point, you should know, um, at Heavy Metal FTBL on Twitter, at X Heavy Metal Football X on Instagram, and the email address is pod.heavymetalfootball.com. No, fuck. Fuck. I always get that right. Um, pod.heavymetalfootball at gmail.com there we go um yeah so that's it i'm yeah i'm off to go and watch italy versus switzerland and enjoy the interview How's it going, man? Yeah, good, you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Are you excited for the Euros? Um, Kind of, yeah. It's been a bit, um, kind of creeped up on us, like, really fast, I guess. it's. I didn't yeah. even realise until a few days ago the first game was this weekend. Um, yeah, so yeah, it should be, should be interesting. I guess it all depends on how well England perform as to uh, what the mood's like at the end of summer. Yeah, good point, good point. I think it did kind of creep up because we had such a mad season. And I think as well, uh, as United fans, I think we had such a disappointing end to the season that it's kind of just been like ignore football for a bit. And now this is sort of creeping along. Although we did have that nice, uh, well, Chelsea did win the Champions League against you know who so that that was yeah. that was a little bit nice that was nice for me anyway but yeah kind of pathetic that i've had to say well you lost the champions league final and we lost the europa <laughs> but still it's something in it it was poetic it was poetic um, i mean it, it kind of it kind of softened it kind of softened the blow for the united fans didn't it oh yeah definitely like, <laughs> yeah i think it was a uh, that i think i was just dreading that whole like plastic treble thing oh yeah of course mate and like, not a real treble no yeah I think that it, 
just would I just I kind of I've got some like a few mates who are like big big city fans and like not a single one of them mentioned the word because even they knew that it was just it wasn't to be spoken about <laughs> um, but I think yeah it, it's kind of one of them isn't it it's like it, it almost kind of passed me by really almost to the point where I was like oh yeah we've got City and Chelsea in the final and it to be honest it could have gone either way I just think for some reason City just didn't turn up that night yeah, Pep, it, Pep I mean, Robben, there's mate. something to be said. There's something to be said about Tuchel getting the better of Pep three times in six months as well. Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, I think that's maybe what led to the whole him shaking the formation up and trying something different, and it obviously still didn't work. So, I mean, next year will be very interesting. I think it, it also be. showed me as well that, like, a lot of the time, I think sometimes when a manager gets sacked, it's it's sometimes sort of put down to like either the players or the manager's skills, but like he basically had the same squad that Lampard had yet managed to oh, yeah. get get them playing to the point where they climbed up the table made it to you know won the Champions League it's like I don't know it's kind of a bit of a shooting in the foot really for uh, for Lampard obviously going back to Chelsea and then ended up getting sacked and then some, when somebody it's almost like when somebody comes in and does a far better job than you like it can only feel yeah. bad <laughs> and within within six months of like Lampard on his last interview, I think it was against Leicester. He was like, "Yeah, this team isn't ready to challenge for anything." Yeah. So Tuchel coming in, like you say, getting fourth, winning the Champions League, getting to the FA Cup final within six months. That's maybe one of the, uh, one of well, I wouldn't say the greatest, but like a very very high profile managerial performance. Like that is, yeah, some some yeah. going makes uh makes Chelsea look scary for next season you know they're going to be in the mix yeah. next season you'd expect Liverpool to uh be in the mix again next season and um yeah City are going to too but it's all now we're in fuck it now it's silly season with transfers now and it's going to just be it's just going to be nonsense for the next sort of six weeks yeah. and just but it'll be interesting to see uh, who goes where and obviously based off the back of the Euros and that I'm excited to see some new players for not necessarily you know everyone knows the England squad and high hopes for them um, but I'm interested to see, you know, who makes a name for themselves at the Euros, and uh, yeah, exciting, very, very stoked. Where do you sit with the England squad? Who was, who are you excited to see? Who are you not so um, excited to see? To be honest with you, like I'm, it's going to probably sound a little bit backwards, but like I'm a huge, huge Calvin Phillips fan, and oh, I love him. I, I think I think he gets bashed so hard because probably number one because he plays for Leeds, but. He's kind of one of those players, and I, you know, I, I saw someone the other. I, I posted something about him last week online, and someone was like, "Yeah, but like he's been complete garbage every time he's played for England." And I was thinking to myself, like, he's that kind of player, a bit like he's a bit of a, you know, he's a bit of a Michael Carrick in the sense that he mm. just does a job, but doesn't he doesn't necessarily, you know, in those games he didn't necessarily do anything like outstanding where you'd look back and go, "Oh, he made that assist or he did this pass or whatever," but. He just gets in there and does what needs to be done, and it's like, uh, and that is exactly what people said about Carrick and people like Busquets as well. Is them, yeah. If you don't talk about them, that means they're doing their job well. I mean, it's it's so, one of them where it's like I th I think personally I prefer I don't think that him and I think that there was that one friendly where him and Rice played together, and I didn't think it worked, but no, I just, I I've just got this feeling that like he's got something and I think whilst don't get me wrong like Bielsa he plays in a completely different system um, at Leeds but like I just feel as though the, the stuff that he's done so far is like really impressive and it's kind of it's tough being sort of it must be tough being Southgate cause sort of considering who to play when you've got so many options I mean for example like, I wouldn't be leaving Grealish out but 
it's kind of one of those who do you play you know Kane's always the first name on the team sheet but who do you play left and right like you know do you play Rashford do you play Mm. I mean Sterling's not had a good season but a you great know, season, no. Yeah, it's like could could he potentially pull it out in the um, in the Euros? I mean, I'm disappointed Jesse Lingard didn't get a shot, especially after he's kind of proved his worth, you know, at West yeah. Ham on loan. But I don't know. It's I think I, I watched a Sky program this morning, and Gary Neville was making some good points about you know he thinks that England could score bags of goals, but the main concern is that there isn't really a replacement for Harry Maguire. Um, Mate, yeah. I mean, it's but my thing is like in in terms of the Maguire and you know there's even chat about Rashford with it and um, obviously sort of Trent get injured and stuff. It's like the fact that he's taking like players who aren't 100 percent fit does to yeah. me doesn't bode massively well. Uh, you know what I mean? Especially as a United fan, I don't want to see fucking Rashford get taken out for a couple of months. Yeah. Even though he's already on about going over surgery, I don't want to see Kane out for you know uh, Kane fucking the other Harry uh, Maguire out for another you know, couple of months or something like that. But, yeah, who knows? I mean, I still think it's a good group of players and he has got a tough time on his hand with selection because there's so much depth and there's so much sort of talent and there's so many, like, players who are all sort of at that level where they could be really, really good players and they need that international experience. But they're all sort of at the same age and they're all sort of coming through and all really fighting for positions and it i think it is yeah. tough for those players who are like you know early 20s who are like really trying to make a name for themselves to like really cement a spot in this england team i mean you've basically got to be playing at phil foden's level you know even greenwood's not getting a shout and he's you know probably england's best young winger coming through you know what i mean or yeah. i maybe striker, think so if he did not have that injury then he might have made it who greenwood uh yeah greenwood, maybe yeah yeah, yeah i think he would but i just think i don't know i just as well i've just i never have high expectations of england because obviously we've all Same. experienced the disappointment but yeah i've just got this thing with the fact that the majority of our games are in england and you know obviously what happened in 66 and 96 mm. and it's like i don't want to get too sort of looking back on that kind of stuff but like I don't know. I've just, I've just got a feeling that the way some of these players have played this season, I've got a feeling that it could be good. But if it's going to go wrong anywhere, it's going to be in that centre back mm. position. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing with um, obviously everybody's saying, you know, there is no ready, like you said, there's no ready place, uh, there's no ready replacement for Maguire. But if Maguire doesn't play, they'll play a back three, which then affects the top. Yeah. Because if they play a back four, we're probably going to go four, three, four, three, three. And if we play yeah. a back three, it's going to be essentially five two three sort of thing and that you know if we're playing Grealish on the left wing there and we're playing Kane there's very little pace there yeah plus it's, as well the pace if, is... if he brings um if Maguire I mean obviously there if he's if he's for example ready to play by the last group game or you know if we get through to the knockout stages he's literally going to be coming straight back in amongst players who've played you know three four games and is is he actually going to be yeah is he actually going to be at the the peak when you know Mm -hmm. other players i mean i know england have made that mistake in the past taking players who are carrying injuries to tournaments but it's like henderson i mean you know it was more of a case of like you know yeah we want to have henderson around and obviously you know played in the friendly but let's probably not talk about what happened with that penalty but didn't he didn't he say he wanted henderson because he's good for the dressing room and at that point i'm just i'm just thinking like what no, take players who yeah. are gonna do something on the pitch, man. Like take take Jesse Lingard. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. 
It's yeah, it's a bit silly, but I mean, Southgate seems like the kind of guy. He seems more of a man manager and more of a squad harmony kind of guy than a lot of England managers before him. Um, yeah, he seems. To he's, sort of... he's definitely turned it. He's been speaking about how he's turned England into this club side, which I think is very that shines through quite well. I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah that that side yeah, of it. I like that's, that. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that side of Southgate. You know, and that's why everyone gets behind him with the waistcoat and everything because he does have this sort of like. <laughs> he does have the sort of uh, yeah he is sort of got that integrity about him which is like it's it's about the fabric of the game and it's not just about you know being this manager that just churns out results and gets success because you know it's it's about more than that which is kind of cool but yeah sometimes his his, his selection and uh some of his tactics yeah, he do, uh, yeah it's a bit <laughs> odd but i don't know if that's just down to maybe play you know the team not pl- playing as well as a team because internationals isn't it they don't well, i mean he's same. a defensive coach isn't he yeah right yeah can you even what call it though for? based on friendlies like because obviously you watch that friend like the romania friendly was just dour and it's like uh, yeah it's, it's almost like you know you get those like even the mid-season uh qualifiers like in the october international break like i don't know but it just never seems like there's much intensity there because we're playing against moldova and it's kind of like yeah. how do you get yourself up for for playing and I just wonder oh. sometimes if it's you go into a, a tournament with you know a completely different attitude because it's a tournament versus a warm up against Austria on a Wednesday night in Middlesbrough yeah. you know you must do yeah and half the squad's not even there anyway at yeah. that point well, it's... that's why Lingard and Ward Prowse and those lads are playing to make the numbers up which that's I mean, also the thing as well though with England I feel like a lot of the time it's about who we draw because you know it's it's all well and good getting fucking wins against yeah like I said you know Moldova or whoever the smaller teams in the in the tournament are because England do you know that it was I remember watching England just absolutely smash Colombia at the last World Cup and you think yeah. yeah you probably should do that but then it's when we come up against a slightly tougher opportu- uh, um, opposition Costa Rica we didn't smash Colombia. We fucking just made it through against yeah. Colombia. I thought we beat Colombia like 5 0. No, that was Costa nah, Rica. That was Costa Rica. Ah, was um, it? I remember oh, watching no, it, it at first. Panama. Was it, oh, yeah, was it, it was Panama? Panama? Yeah, it was, it was Panama. one of those countries. All oh, right. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. There. Even more so. Yeah, Colombia have actually got probably a few decent players. but Colombia was the, the, the game we won on penalties. Yeah. Oh. To be honest, though, I think, don't quote me on this, but maybe potentially so far in my lifetime. That is probably the best opportunity that England have had to reach a final and win it because yeah. Yeah. We, we literally looked out with every single game. I mean, you know, to go out against a, a team that we've beaten, you know, consistently yeah. over the years was just disappointing. I think, I think in that game we just we peaked too way early. too early. Yeah, we just peaked yeah. way too early. Yeah, Trippier scoring a free kick in the yeah. third minute was never on the cards, was it? Yeah, get that and in was, the 60th minute, and we yeah, we'd have you'd seen be it fine. Through. You'd have seen it out, wouldn't you? Yeah. But it was just too early, and you kind of had a feeling just that. As soon as the shaky. first goal went in, it was good. There was going to be a second. Mm. Yeah. All right. So with all the Foden hair memes this week in the relations to Gaza, <laughs> is he? Is he? Does he have the capacity? Capacity to be as good or better than Gaza? Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. Seen, from yeah. what I've seen, fully. Like I don't yeah. think I've been this excited about a, a 
like a young English player in a long time. And it's one of them things where, do you ever, and you'll you'll know this as well, Ben, like, you know when like someone comes through the United Academy and they get their first team start and you're like, this is going to be the best player. Like hey, Adnan yeah. Yanazai, for example. No, oh, God. Oh, rips, yeah. it up, rips it up for four games. Now he's playing in like the Portuguese seventh division or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think, he's a I think, sociedad, isn't he? Now? Yeah. He's, some, he's but, not it. You, just, you just get that thing though where like, everyone's hyping it up like super yeah. hard and you know everyone's on the case and what have you and I think I think the key for Foden is consistency and he is starting to get more and more consistent and I think you know he's now he's gone from being a player where you hoped that he'd get a bunch of starts to actually expecting doing it him and to actually start. Yeah. yeah expecting him to start and also yeah. keeping you know, Bernardo Silva out the side yeah Mate, I mean I he's mean, just I haven't been... that sort of aptitude to, to sort of do it. And I just think the only thing that you always hope is that he doesn't end up sort of getting too carried away with the fame and the money and, you know, all that kind of stuff yeah. and actually just concentrates on, on what he's doing. Because it, it genuinely, it sounds crazy, but, like, he literally could be at, at the very, very top of the English game for the next God knows how many years. And it's it's frightening how good he is at the age he's at. He's fearless, isn't he? Yeah. So fearless. It almost takes the pressure with a pinch of salt. And it's, whereas most players would crumble under that, he's just kind of like straight in, get stuck in and, you know, do the job that he's there to do. And especially getting into that City team. I mean, we've always crucified teams like City for years and years that just throwing money around and never bringing players through their academy. And he's one that's sort of proof of the investment that they've actually made now. I think he's their f- mm. he's their first like really really hot prospect uh, youngster yeah. that's come through. Really, I mean, I think the last time an English player did that, and you know, Foden could go on to be you know just as good if not better was was probably Rashford. You know, what I mean, Rashford yeah. came in really young, scored scored a couple on his debut, scored a couple of big goals against. Did he, oh, he scored against was it Liverpool? Was Liverpool yeah, won yeah, it. yeah, Liverpool on his debut, like. And just had this crazy rise to to where he's at now, and um, f- yeah, could have another one of them in Foden easily. Do you know what I mean? So it's so positive for for England, and that's that's another thing as well. Actually, when I say when I was saying about the City and uh, United thing earlier, I'd, I'd obviously had a couple of salty City fans hitting me up, and <laughs> I had a couple of chat. I was chatting with a couple of them, and one of them brought it up like, oh, you know, you. I remember you saying something about like when it comes to internationals and stuff, like people shouldn't be beefing with each other and shouldn't be like ripping on other players. And I was like, yeah, totally, because that's like that's the country. It's it's in a different shirt. When it's city, like I'm gonna rip, yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> rub salt in the wound. But as soon as Foden, you know, pulls on a pulls on an England shirt or Sterling or Kyle Walker or anything, I'm like you know, what I mean, I'm gonna pick him up. So yeah, yeah very sure. exciting, very very exciting to see. Um, See some good youngsters coming through, and again, it makes it hard for Southgate to choose a fucking coherent team. Also, though, going back to the I question mean, about Foden's hair, though, it, when you say about don't get carried away, it, that is yeah. getting he's already showing signs. <laughs> right, fucking sort that out, mate. Um, it looks a bit like Aguero. Do you reckon he's like sort of trying to yeah. like, imbibe the Aguero vibe a little possibly, bit and sort possibly. of like bring that back to City, but. Who knows? Right. Uh, moving swiftly on. I'm, for those that don't know, uh, Paul, you were involved in the music industry for many years uh, in a, a, a bunch many of capacities. different... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of jack of yeah. all trades within the music industry. Um, <laughs> Master of none. <laughs> <laughs> Master of some. I think you were, you were, you were, you were smashing it. Yeah, yeah. And obviously has shown with your transition into well from the, from the world of sort of music merchandising into the world of football 
merchandising yes. uh, with the terrace. So can you tell us a little bit about the terrace and sort of how that came about and whether, you know, that experience within the music world has at all sort of played a role in um, in your new venture? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, um, I'd kind of loosely worked in the music industry since probably the mid-2000s. Um, I originally started out promoting shows in Manchester. Um, you guys obviously will know Cam really well. Um, yeah. You know, Cam's oh, one of, of my course. best mates. And we used Big to, up Cam Hack. We used to, you know, we used to promote shows together. Um, back in the day in Manchester and to sort of shorten down 10 years um, it it kind of went from promoting shows starting touring um, ended up being a tour manager for a bunch of bands UK US Europe um, and kind of planned to do that and then after sort of probably three four years of touring I got an opportunity to basically um, head up um, the online UK expansion of, um, of uh, Empiricon um, and it was kind of something where I'd kind of thought to myself, as soon as the first opportunity comes around to not have to go on tour anymore, that's what I'm taking. It's kind of a, I'd always wanted to work in music. Um, yeah. So yeah, we kind of, I started that out effectively. The The company had basically um, been running in Europe for sort of three or four years. Um, we're getting orders from the UK, but their entire uh, website was German and, you know, obviously no sort of presence here and it was it was basically over a conversation over breakfast of uh, we're looking for someone to basically establish us in the uk um do you want the job to you know the next day having a job and no longer going on tour um <laughs> so it was kind of it was it was weird because at the time i had no experience of real experience of merchandise yeah i'd sold merch on tour and you know done a bit of stuff here and there and you know other, other sort of bits and bobs but it kind of went from learning on the job um, in terms of business development and a marketing role. Um, and it, to be honest with you, the, the first sort of three or four years were great. Um, but then sort of, I started to get a bit fatigued. Um, you know, the music industry, it, I have a love-hate relationship with it. And it's probably hmm, don't we all? 20, yes, it's probably, we all do, yes. It's probably 20% love and 80% hate, but <laughs> it's, it, I feel as though it depends like with the, with the music business, what circles you move in, but I just kind of found it to be very toxic and oh, very, it, the one thing that always struck me about it was that I found myself every day being nice to people that I didn't really like because I had to, because the business depended on it. And oh, yeah. it was, it was kind of one of those scenarios where it was, you know, I was going to London sort of every, once a week and, you know, from traveling down from Manchester, catching the last train back or constantly staying over in hotels. And it was, it just kind of became, it became tour, it became, tour again, I guess. Yeah. In a way. I mean, yeah, basically, I mean, like, you know, I've obviously worked all yeah. the way through summer festivals and stuff like that. And it, it just kind of. I don't know, it just kind of grated on me and I was always kind of looking for a way out. Um, and probably, I think, early 2018, um, my friend Carl just literally sent me a random message out of the blue and was like, yo, I've got this idea that I think could be pretty cool, um, you know, and I'd like to run it by you because, you know, you work in the merch business and you'd kind of have an idea as to whether this is a goer or not. Um, and basically, within 48 hours, we'd set up a website chosen a name he designed a logo um and originally we kind of just started out with the plan of 
we didn't really have anything that we wanted to achieve. We just wanted to sell some t-shirts, maybe make some money. And in the first, in the beginning, because we both had full-time jobs, it was, it was kind of ideal because I just remember that little buzzer being like, oh man, like we sold two t-shirts this week. Like, mm. We're literally getting like a tenner each at the end of the month. Like, this is amazing. I mean, you'll know the one from when like your band played your first oh, show. Yeah, and you're like, oh sure, my God, someone, someone bought a CD for two quid and it, you know. Yeah, but, exactly, man. It quickly kind of began to spiral and we kind of looked around at like the state of sports merchandising and we kind of realized that there was a, what we saw was a pretty big gap in terms of the fact that a lot of football clubs, whilst they sort of purport to be based in their community and, you know, um, sort of a bit fan built effectively. Haven't bridged the gap that well. No, no. They, they, a lot of them had kind of lost touch with like um, their fans in terms of like retail and what what fans actually wanted. There was not really a a big connection there, and we kind of said like you know there's an opportunity here to sort of connect with the fans of football clubs to you know to sell them products which they're actually interested in. So I think we we originally sort of had the idea of doing that, and you know it kind of started to grow from there and then we kind of said like okay like let's let's start talking to some clubs and try and get some you know official licenses and get permission to sort of do these things you know work with the club to build a you know um, a, a business from our perspective but also to allow football clubs to capitalize on revenue for, for products that they weren't really doing I mean you go into any football club store and all that you all that you see is products with the it's club badge on. Yeah, I was like, gonna, I was thinking that man. Like it's just I mean, mega stores. It's just scarves, it's just it? mega. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking, what are their outlets? And it's pretty much mega stores and like the odd bit in Sports Direct. Yeah. It's nothing, nothing cultural, nothing with like that's even well designed and well thought yeah. out. You know what I mean? So yeah, nothing with that that thing. It's like you know, you go in the mega store at a club and you kind of look around and it's like yeah you know don't get me wrong like there is a place in the market for for that kind of stuff but we kind of wanted to focus on um product and design that basically made a connection with with fans and where you know you look at something you go god remember that screamer that blah 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 player scored tony like yeah, yeah. Like, i mean that uh, funny you say that because like the tony yaboa um sort of was one of the first products we ever did and it mm-hmm. was it was one of them where like it, it was such an iconic moment that we're like right okay we've got to do this and we did it and the re- the response was huge and it's you know those things that we did in the in the early days have kind of shaped the direction that the business has gone in and we've always stuck to that ethos of you know do fans want this kind of product and, oh dude you know can it's... we tap into those memories and create that community whereby people kind of know us now for you know it is re- retro is big and sort of we are primarily retro so. Yeah. That's kind I mean, of the the way it went. Well, you've I mean, kind of answered the second question for us <laughs> without us even asking it because the second question was what was your model and how did you get so many EFL clubs well, on board it, so quickly? You're venturing into the Premier League and then you seem to be offering all these sort of items that other companies haven't thought yeah. of. Like, I've you know what? A, I'm a Forest fan. I've looked I've looked at all the Forest mugs, the mouse mats, the bottle openers, <laughs> everything, and like I'm gonna yeah. buy them, but it's like. I, that's that's just for me as a Forest fan. So even as a Sheffield Wednesday fan, or like, you know what yeah. I mean? as a and as an Oxford fan, the possibilities are sort of endless. And at that point, yeah. Well, that's why I, I was I was going to say as well was like um, the fact that you know as well it's it's a lot of small teams. You're on board with a lot of EFL teams, and obviously that's yeah. that's huge. And since you've had those, you know, it's officially licensed stuff. Like since you've had that 
um, as well. And, and I just think that the fact that it's smaller teams, starting off smaller teams, where there is more of a sense of, like, um, you know, a, a real loyal fan, shit, uh, fan base. And, yeah, it just seems a bit more sort of, like you say, community-driven. Um, and I was just noticing the parallels massively within, within the music world and how that works, about how you say your early stuff is what kind of gets you going, and that's what people... Yeah sort of yeah it's exactly the the same sort of thing and and in terms of i remember i was flicking through the products and i was like right yeah like uh you know all sorts but mouse mats mugs it's all the little accessories and stuff like that which bands merchandising you know they're always looking at what's something that fans are really going to want like what is that key yeah. thing so it's exactly the same sort of um the same sort of model really but i just just tweet to a football audience who you know are even more passionate in well i mean music fans and football fans it's the same level of passion and um yeah yeah cover my whole house in 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 vintage football gear please (laughs) i mean it's just that it's just that thing though where it's like you it's almost just i look at it still and i still sit here and and sometimes i think about it and i just think to myself this whole business that we've built was so obvious like Mm. anybody anybody i don't know how Nobody at any real football club sat there and said, God, you know what would be great? Get some of those retro forest kits from the 90s, whack them on here and do this. And, like, you know, and I think it's just a thing where I think one of the things that's difficult for, for some clubs is obviously, like, the clubs that we work with, they, you know, the retail guys, you know, like the retail guys at Forest do an incredible job. But I think the difficulty is, and the, the reason why we've been able to sort of corner that gap in the market is that they, you know, obviously, football clubs have certain um, criteria to meet. They obviously need to hit certain levels of revenue. You know, so it's a lot harder for them to take risks, and it's a lot harder for them to, you know, because they have to purchase product in such high volumes to get any sort of good margin. It's difficult for them to say, "Yeah, do you know what? Let's let's do this from the '80s," and because oh, we need to order two thousand yeah. of them, and it, yeah. you know, it's, it's similar with being in a band. You know, it's like. The difference in price between ordering, you know, thirty T-shirts and a hundred is huge. But can yeah. you afford you start to, to risk make your the hundred on the fiftieth kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's exactly the same. I mean, you know, we've we've tried some stuff that hasn't worked. We've tried some stuff that's been a resounding success, and you know, that's kind of the point for us is that we're we're trying to offer football clubs a model whereby there's no risk for them. There's no investment because, you know, we take care of everything. They get a cut at the end of it, which is a good percentage compared to, especially compared to music. Um, And it's also something whereby it just helps them to target the fan who doesn't go in the club megastore. Like I probably cannot tell you the last time that I was at Old Trafford and went in the megastore or at football ground because it was all every time I went to football when I was a kid or when I was younger it was always pub until five to three leg it up the stairs get to your seat like yeah. you know and everything's there's, there's nothing that appeals full to full whack at a football stadium as well yeah. everything's so pricey like fucking hell yeah. like you go into the you go into the mega store if you if if it's your one and only time going there probably but even then I remember going to a Barca game and a shirt was like nearly a hundred euros or something stupid like that. It's just like yeah. fucking no way. Um, so, yeah. And as well, uh, again, the, the 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 parallels of music and like you say about like how it was such a simple idea and how people don't clock onto it. I feel like loads of stuff starts within the alternative world that's sort of like yeah, it, you know, it does 
like yeah. in the way that content's generated, the way that sometimes businesses are structured, like the idea of an independent label is probably thoroughly rooted within the punk world and that sort of thing. Yeah. And now, you know, music's more, you know, big artists are going independent more and more and more. So, yeah, definitely the alternative world uh, 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 is uh, is bu- pretty business savvy when it gets to maybe too fucking business savvy sometimes. Because, like you say, the cut, <laughs> mate, the cuts, sure. come on, sort it and out, man. To say as well, like, I think looking back to the super league kind of stuff just because a club has a lot of money doesn't mean it has the best idea like when the super league nah. came out this was a what was this was a fucking billion billion dollar idea or whatever and the logo was i could have fucking done it in about you know, two minutes it's funny but i remember the um when the logo came out carl carl my business partner literally messaged me and was just like spending all of that money in you know all this money that's floating around and literally someone took two minutes to make this logo <laughs> like in it insane yeah the website like, as well to mate. think it yeah it was a fucking nothing, joke yeah. yeah but to think like obviously at this point a lot of the design is done is the, a lot of the design done in-house at terrace and then approved by the clubs yeah so and... it, it tends to be um to be honest we have a really really good sort of like working structure within the business in the sense that um i'm more sort of the business nuts and bolts kind of guy and carl kind of just runs with the creative um like a complete maniac and Mm -hmm. it's that's usually the best way yeah yeah, he and and to be honest with you like some of the ideas that he comes out with i sometimes sit there and think like i just wish like i've never been a creative person so you know i tried when i was younger i tried to play every instrument going i've probably owned one of every instrument and i, mm. I cannot play an instrument i've never been creative <laughs> at art or in art or drawing or you know anything like that and it's he just comes up with these incredible ideas and you know it's it's him kind of in the front driving the the content and the you know the product side of the business forward but then you know he'll come to me with an idea and say how do we make this work or you know we need to do this where can we where can we source this from and you know he's also good at that and it's the dynamic's been sort of really cool but like the idea just tends to be that you know when we when we sort of strike up a deal and and agree um a license with a club we tend to just you know launch with like six kits to begin with and you know we'll pick six iconic kits that you know fans will look at and go right that's the season we made it to the fa cup semis or you know stuff like that and i think one of the other things as well to consider is that a lot of these clubs that we work with a lot of the lower league clubs their fans might not have experienced either winning anything in their lifetime or you know winning anything in the last 10 15 years so sometimes it's quite easy to sort of look back to the 70s or the 80s pick something out you know get some designs done send them off to the club to approve and then you know up we go i mean it's as easy as we could sign the paperwork tomorrow morning and technically there's no barrier to us having a range online within a matter of hours mm. and the reactivity of it is one of the things that kind of sets us apart i mean you know if if phil foden scores a bicycle kick in the euros you can bet that there will be a phil foden <laughs> yeah, yeah. overhead kick mug on the store or some form of time because <laughs> it's it's that thing where it's like you you kind of have to strike while the iron's hot and you know yeah, we we're very reactive in that sense to to sort of doing it but at the same time it, it might just sound sort of like full business mode, but a lot of the, the stuff that we do, there's always like a community sort of feel to it. I mean, you know, considering that we're in the midst of a, or well, coming out of a, a global pandemic, you know, we donated over 10 grand to charity last year. And it's, That's you know, amazing for, a, for to, a small to, business, yeah, yeah. you know, to, to donate that kind of money to sort of NHS charities and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, we're always kind of 
trying to give back to the the football community because it's it's kind of I've always had that attitude and I, I came up with a saying many years ago by accident that it was you know I'm I'm a strong believer that if you take from the from the football community it's kind of your duty as a football fan to give back to it and it's yeah, you know so if it's whether it's you know supplying kits for grassroots football teams I mean we we just did um we actually did a um a charity show well, we okay. that we did it. We did a charity shirt um, on the eve of the Super League announcement. That was, it was something we made shirts basically. That was something like I can't remember exactly what it said. I think it said like football. It was basically you see the lead shirt where the players wore that football yeah, for the fans. Earn it. Yeah, yeah. It was earn it was basically yeah. something along those lines, and we basically used the money to buy kits for four. I think it was four like under. 12s under 8s and the 10s football teams nice. um because it's just it's that kind of thing you know like i this might sound a bit sort of the opposite of business but i think this is coming from music as well but i don't need a ranger over on the drive i don't need like you know to live in like a nine bedroom house like it'd be great but you know in the end it's it's kind of uh, it feels more respectful to to give back to the people that support you. I mean, you know, we get a huge amount of support from Sheffield Wednesday fans, Leeds fans, you know, all these different clubs, and you know, we're frequently donating money to local food banks and you know stuff like that because it's it's that sort of almost for me it's that anti music industry attitude that I've got mm. where it's like you know well, fuck this fuck this big wig taking all that money and yeah. someone getting five well, you know five milli cents for a stream on spotify oh like, yeah it's it's you know. it's pathetic man and, and and something that i think what it is and and why why it's admirable as well and why i think it will only bring you more success is because i think a lot of the time and especially within music um a lot from the music industry side to be honest i think most bands are very 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 in tune with their fans and only want the best for their fans and it's something that yeah. the music industry doesn't really understand and um it is that f- generally big business whether it's music industry whether it's multi-billion dollar club owners or whatever don't actually give a shit about the fans and they always underestimate no. it and they always underestimate the intelligence and the integrity of their fans and it yeah. as we saw with the super league thing it absolutely came around and bit them in the ass and so by rooting yourself within you know uh, fan culture and 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 having a respect for the community that's only going to play off well especially in in the world that we're in today where you know you would like to think that we're moving towards a, a, a more sort of um uh collaborative and sort of yeah yeah, you know a better society yeah Yeah. exactly um well well, it's it's funny actually because the question was you know or where we were going to go was sort of what what are your dreams with it what are your plans with it you know i was going to say oh you know you're hoping for that uh that united endorsement one day or you know whatever but it seems as though it's almost the opposite really (laughs) which is great this will probably sound crazy but like i actually don't think too far ahead because I'm I li- I kind of live it's kind of the way that I live my life as well like I kind of live my life as though everything's going to come crashing down tomorrow so it always keeps me on, mm-hmm. on my toes and it never allows me to sort of feel comfortable so it, I still find it like funny as someone said to me um, a couple of weeks ago like oh yeah you know you, it's great now you're a successful business but and I was kind of like I'm not like a successful businessman oh, someone yeah. at, at the age of 60 65 who's retired and you know is looking back on the things that they've done like for now we're just you know going along and you know trying to do the best the best stuff that we can do but i mean in terms of like we've already out 
outreached and surpassed like the things that I ever thought that I would see. Like I never thought that you know we'd I'd see my company's logo on Sky TV or you know <laughs> stuff like that. And I mean you know we had a there was a great picture from um, we did a we stuck a banner at um, Preston North End, um, which funnily enough is now my local club. Um, and there's a picture of uh, there's a big sky thing where Wayne Rooney's about to take a free kick and it just pans out and you can just see the banner like in huge above the dugout <laughs> and it's stuff like that where you're like geez like nice. on the TV and it's you know we've done sort of a bunch of stuff where we've sponsored um, like we've we've had like logos on shirt sleeves um, there's a couple of nice. cool things that are happening for next season that I almost just blurted out that I'm can't no, tell you about no but, that's uh, the way to do it man a, you've, yeah, you've no, said just a, enough you've said just yeah, there's a enough few, yeah. there's a few cool <laughs> things that sort of are things that are from my youth and my teen years that where will will appear somewhere which is kind of also i never thought was possible but you know it's <laughs> it, the sky's kind of the limit but then it also becomes more and more difficult because obviously the the higher up you go obviously the more financial things become and the less more money more hard. problems you know yeah but it's it's <laughs> it very is. hard because of you know it's you can go on amazon and you can you can buy a liverpool product from absolutely anywhere like everywhere sells it you there yeah. probably isn't a product you could think of that you can't purchase in some form of liverpool design and you know it's it becomes more difficult and it's also harder to engage with those fans because the fan base is so big um, that I don't really know. I mean, it'd be a dream to sort of have those kind of, you know, any of the top six. Um, mm. I mean, technically, did West Ham finish seventh in the league? Uh, did they get Europa be- on a technicality? I, like they I think they, they finished sixth. No, right? no, no. They did get Europa League. Yeah, they did get Europa Yeah, so, I mean, we're already licensed with West Ham, which is cool. I mean, oh, even, even that in itself was like a, a huge deal. But, you know, it's there's always kind of... I tend not to look too far into the future because it's kind of... I'm more set in sort of micro goals as to... Here's where we're going to be this year. I mean, a year ago, just over a year ago, there was three of us. Um, you know, me, Carl, and Craig, who's our head of production, and, and you know, now we've got nine staff, and it's like you know things are growing and you know what have you. But I mean, I'd love to say one day, like, yeah, we've had all, we have all ninety-two clubs in the football mm-hmm. league, like licenses with. But you know, for obvious reasons, those those things are difficult. But I think just pushing on and ensuring that we're constantly raising the bar and you know the quality is always improving and the the products are just becoming more and more and more unique and i think well, one I, of my think... aims is for doing some sort of maybe doing some more musical collaborations because um, mm. obviously we we have one in the pipeline which is kind of coming across there that's just through sort of being mates with um with a particular band but like mm. because we we have such a cool crossover in the sense that the business model that we have would work like we could we could go and set up a music merchandise company tomorrow no problem yeah not that not that we want to do that or we're going to do that but because there's such a big crossover between football and music it's kind of a a goal to sort of venture over into that and potentially raise the bar because i've seen plenty of bands who've done football shirts for example like you know but a lot of them are either off the shelf um you know printed on or they're just not they're crap, out, like mate. a we, proper we've done yeah. it before and they've been they've they've not well palsy got some made for shirts for us to play footy in which were great yeah. but then yeah. <laughs> actually like mass producing football shirts it's yeah. either they're complete and utter garbage and still really yeah. expensive or yep. they're just yeah like you say off the shelf and you're kind of doing it 
yeah you kind of whereas yeah, for us it? it's like we we do everything fully fully bespoke from like you know day dot so like, i mean for example we we started uh looking into like supplying kitware and teamware for football clubs you know we do it for a lot of um sort of sunday and saturday league clubs like we obviously our main headquarters is based in banbury and oxfordshire and we now are the kit supplier for banbury united who are sort of in the I think the eighth or ninth step in the football leagues um and that's kind of a, a thing where we've that's kind of gone great, right okay we we can make a boss football shirt like you know we're using yeah. materials that kappa and nike use so why don't we go and do some cool musical collabs or you know stuff like that where it's interesting to people because it's also something different i think sometimes music merchandise companies are just happy to slap something on somewhere that's going to make a you know 80% profit margin for them pay the artist their 5% and then you know crack on and and it's it's not thought through properly it's like you want a football shirt to actually look like you're buying a you know LA Galaxy shirt in a yeah. in a store or you know it's a Nike shirt not some dodgy knockoff with a you know well, where they've just gone let's put a two stripe album artwork on it yeah get it yeah i think we have literally purchased two, like like two stripes before and that's just and they've just been crap man just been really you know, mate, i've seen one where someone had clearly just gone and bought some adidas training wear and embroidered a badge on it yeah and that's just that's... like and again they're your options though there's no one that's, yeah. that's filling that vo- that gap in the market and um, yeah, like you said about it being so closely linked to music as well. Like, yeah, it, a merch setup is a merch setup. It's not something that yeah. all businesses generally have to think about, but no. bands really have to think about it. And it's something yeah. that, like, yeah, like you say, these multi-billion-dollar companies just don't don't get it. Like, you have to think about your merchandising and yeah, take yeah. it and, and run with it. You need to hit Wrexham up, mate. Wrexham, Wrexham. We've been, we have been. I, I actually spoke to someone there a while ago and we're kind of constantly in touch with like basically there probably isn't a football club we haven't spoke to um there's a bunch of like new deals in the offing at the moment and i think um you know we're definitely going to revisit that one because it's kind of um you know it's a good club obviously the, the ownership thing now has kind of yeah. made them like front and center and you know yeah. to be honest Red and it's quite it's a, a historic club yeah, yeah, decent fan base. It's a historic club and very passionate team and like a proper, proper f- football in football team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and the new ownership again, in terms of like the the marketability marketability of that and the sort of connection with that, um, would would be great. And I'm sure it probably wouldn't be too hard to rig up either. You know, Wrexham, nah. you, you've got you know you've got bigger teams on on board and Wrexham are up Talking of Wrexham and Rob McCall, how do you say his name? Is it Rob McCall? Henny, is it? McCall Henny. So I've been, been watching his new show, Mythic Quest, on Apple TV, and we're about eleven episodes into season one, and there's this whole like, I think it's called LARP. You know, in that film, um, role model. LARPing, where, live action role yeah, playing. I don't, I don't do playing. it. All right, I just know what no. it is. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he uh, was watching it the other night, and I, he, he Rob Mac, his character has to use a shield, and I was like, no uh, fucking way! And it was literally the Wrexham shield. He had like amazing. a Wrexham badge on his shield. It's <laughs> fucking it. sick. I had to stop that's it and take class. a picture and be like, amazing. I love Googled it. So it made great. national Welsh news. How sick is that? It is the most random club takeover so I think random. I've heard in recent years because I was kind of like Wrexham, like 
I mean, it's not that there's nothing wrong with the club, but it was just very it's so it's well. It's the middle. Of, it's place, it's isn't it? yeah. It's very fucking. Out, it's it's out the way. It's, yeah. it's 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 low league. It's no one. Yeah, no one really cares. And also, they, go, they sacked like, their manager. They sacked the manager the other week, and it was so yeah. weird to read like a thanks from Rob McElney and yeah, Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Yeah, and then <laughs> be like, yeah, and then be like, we want better. And it's kind of like this is literally Rob. Fucking what the fuck? Like no, it's it's very strange. And being from Wrexham, man, this is like it is such a such a buzz for the town. Like I do honestly think like it is a turning point for the town, or could or could be. If that in the division, are in a division above or below Chester? Above Chester, Chester just dropped down. Chester Um, just dropped down in there. Yeah, I can see, I can kind of see a bit of the Chester ground from from my house. It's technically in Wales, which is sad for them. But um, yeah, 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 it's yeah, the Wrexham Chester thing is great. But you know, maybe uh, I don't know, maybe like um, who's the bloke that plays Iron Man? What's his name? Uh, fucking, maybe he'll come and buy Chester. You know what I mean? Oh maybe yeah, they can be Imagine. like a, yeah, <laughs> they can be like some some Proper fucking rivalry. Infinity Ring football shit going down. I don't yeah. know. I, d- I don't I don't watch Marvel, so I've probably just butchered that anybody yeah, who gets that upset. <laughs> but um yeah um yeah that's great man honestly i think the sky is really the limit with what you're doing and and yeah you're on something that you know uh even the biggest of clubs aren't on to which actually might be a nice segue into the next section actually talking about clueless owners and all that sort of <laughs> stuff Manchester United. You're a big Man United fan, or uh, you know, a, a Man United fan. I, I can't believe we've actually not not had a, a chat about United. I think usually when we bump into each other, it's always yeah. one of those. One of those. It's usually very busy and probably yeah, part of the music industry you didn't like. And yeah, yeah it's all a bit high by sort of. Oh, I, I know. It's Jarvis there. Sam Jarvis yeah. is there. So yeah, he's there. Yeah, he Jarvis. Like I'll be probably we'll chatting to Jarvis. Yeah. So, to be so fair, Jarv, if you're listening. Fuck to be off. fair, I think I probably spent more time with West than I did speaking to you in the past. Yeah, West is West is well, and again, I think West is maybe a little bit more more Jar one of Jarv's mates. In terms, yeah, yeah. I think when when Jarv was original for those who are listening, Jarv uh, was actually this, the original bassist in Neck Deep. So this whole Jarv thing is like a is like a a bit of a running joke because like probably we did festivals <laughs> together for like four summers and like. I'd be I don't ask me why but I've still I actually probably still one of the only so basically I went through this phase like probably six months to a year ago where I basically chucked out 95% of my band shirts um, <laughs> because Gildan's garbage and, oh yeah um, I basically got rid of them all and funnily enough one of the only I probably got about three band shirts and one of them is a neck deep shirt and the only reason I've got thanks, it man is because <laughs> this well before before you say thanks just no, okay all right shit, i think okay. i think someone brought it back to us at a festival because Sick. it had a rip in it okay and i all could right, never not because they not because yeah, they were so no, d- no. Just distraught by the honest, show they were shit to have this yeah back. but like <laughs> I, I wore it for like a whole i think it was download and some girls like got all these people like oh yeah neck deep is sick i'm like yeah did you know jav used to be a neck deep <laughs> and then they'd be like he'd, he'd just get so embarrassed about and it now it he's just, selling neck deep shirts yeah oh. it's just constantly the, the, the running joke yeah you know jav used to be a neck deep and i said it i was playing cod a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago with him and um and i'd said i'd made a joke about it and one of the guys was like the next day um messaged me and was like was jav really in neck deep <laughs> i was just like yeah, of course i love that deep. man i mean he probably absolutely fucking hates it but i i kind of love it it's just because like, yeah didn't he basically have a choice stay in neck deep or go on tour with hate breed 
No, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Something it was similar. like staying neck mm-hmm. deep or 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 being demoralized. Demoralizer. Yeah. Demoralizer is sick, by the way. So anyone, yeah, any sure. anyone needs a music recommendation, go check out Demoralizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was basically Demoz or neck deep. There was a thing about that hate breed tour where there was a band called Black Dogs from Nottingham, yeah, and yeah. they were no one. They were really yep. small, and Demoralizer were like, yeah prime choice for the tour should have been yeah. main support yeah because black dogs opener. all of a sudden yeah all of a sudden because black dogs had this big backing they got main support and demoralized were open and it's like fucking yeah. come on yeah yeah but showed them up every night though. <laughs> yeah. great yeah. band fucking great band anyway let's talk manchester about united. united yeah let's talk about united how and and sort of when did you get into supporting man united where did that all start and um what's your sort of error of man united um yeah. So basically, I my old man um, was born in Collyhurst, and he went to a school called St Pat's. And St Pat's, he was basically in. I think he was either the year above or the year below um, Brian Kidd and Nobby okay. Styles, who obviously went on to play for United. And throughout his like the majority of his life, he used to go to games every week. He was like a religious season ticket holder for years and years and years. Um, and then obviously two kids came around in the late 80s and he gave up his season tickets. And to be honest with you, I kind of grew up in a very, very working class background where nice. there wasn't really any cash floating around. Even back then, like tickets weren't that expensive. I think you'd get a ticket for like 15 quid or something. But I think I went to my first... So as far as I remember him telling me, he took me to my first game in 92 when I was six, but I don't remember it. Great season. Um, Great season. Wait, did we win the league that season? We had Cantona around th- about then. Yeah, didn't we? so that would have been. I think so. Um, it was the season after Cantona, we won the Mark Cup Winners Cup. Um, but I was basically just football mad from when I was a kid, and it was it was funny because my next door neighbour on one side um, was a City fan, and on the other side was a Liverpool fan. Um, I mean, I grew in up Manchester. About... I was going to say, where well, did you? Where did you? Actually yeah, I grew, grow up? I grew up. I actually grew up just over the border from Greater Manchester in Derbyshire. Um, okay, and I basically lived probably about thirty minutes from from Old Trafford, forty minutes maybe. Mm. Um, but I, the first game that I ever remember going to was um, September '97. I went to a Coca-Cola Cup third round game against Swindon, and the only reason I'm primarily remember it was because um a friend of the family worked for a company that were a sponsor and we basically got like a tour of the stadium and then a sitting in like fancy padded seats so my my first experience of old trafford was as a prawn sandwich muncher Um, (laughs) but i remember the game um because it was the time when they were redeveloping the north stand um So obviously it was completely closed, and I, I think I sat in the south stand. I think we won like three nil. And to be honest with you, you know what the Coca Cola Cup used to be like? It was basically a team of players I'd never heard of. Um, yeah. And you know they were basic. I think Dennis Irwin was maybe the only player that was actually playing. I was in saying the team 92, I 92, 93. Oh, when 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 was this? Did you say? I think ninety seven. That was. Oh, I was going to say. Well, you might have had some of the younger players. You might have. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. It was, it was mostly like team, young, but, but to be honest with you, I don't remember. However, I do have the program still. Um, I actually collect football programs, so like I've, I've still got like the program from basically every game I've ever been to. Um, but yeah, it started off there, and then you know throughout like the I think I was probably what ten or eleven then, um, and then throughout sort of my young teens, I guess up to sixteen, my old man got a season ticket again. So like we used to go 
quite a lot and um you know did a few couple of away trips when i was like 13 14 which um i would definitely not advise taking a 13 or 14 year old again <laughs> um but yeah it was it was just that thing it was it was kind of it was almost the local team it was either most of the people i went to school with either supported united or city and it was just yeah. that was just where i grew up and that's kind of how i ended up supporting united um nice. and then obviously through I kind of dip in and out of football a lot in my sort of older term because, I mean, I don't know, it might be different for you like when you go on tour in the US and stuff, but like when I was in the US for like a bunch or when I was on tour, I just would forget there was a game and I'd miss it or... We do our best to wake up and watch it. We do our best. I've been disappointed so many fucking times that I'm almost at the point where I'm like, do I get up to watch United play fucking Newcastle? I mean, when you've gone to bed, I like one o'clock in the morning after you've been sweating your ass off and on warp tour all day the last thing i was yeah. considering doing was getting up at six to watch united versus west brom um, a bad connection <laughs> yeah. probably and dropping it, out every two yeah. seconds and it's that. just it was just like i kind of dipped in and out a bit in like the mid 2000s and to be honest with you i've kind of been like that for the last sort of couple of years because it's got to the point where like football is all we talk about all day and mm. it's it's kind of become a thing more now where I tend to watch like whatever's on sometimes. So like yeah. I always obviously watch the United games, but as and when I can. But you know I tend to sort of um, I've taken a bit of a liking to sort of some of the clubs we're licensed with. You know I watch the odd Bristol Rovers game on IFL. Uh, I nice. what's it called? I I I follow, I follow that's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know I watch the odd sort of Preston game here and there, and you know I, I still obviously converse a lot. Um, there's a, you know one of the other guys that. Um, he works for us, supports United, and we've got a Chelsea fan and a West Brom fan, so we're always talking about football there. Um, mm. But yeah, it tended to be there, but to be honest with you, the majority of the football that I watched as a young kid, because obviously we didn't have Sky um, when I was probably like, I don't think I had, we had Sky until probably 96, 97. So I don't know if you remember, how old are you guys? 26. Okay, you'll, you'll probably remember it. Do you remember a TV show on Channel 4 called Gazetta Italia? Where they used to show yeah. Syria on a Sunday, yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So literally, my my like predominantly most of my football upbringing as a young kid was watching that because obviously Premier League had just started and was had gone on Sky. You know, you'd have and the Syria was cup. all the rage at that point yeah, as well. I mean, like Paul Ince had gone there, yeah. Gaza had gone to Sampdoria, hadn't he? Like that was basically the, the clubs my, were stylish. Like yeah, that was, was that this... was basically my education. It's it was actually funny, yeah. but the first ever football shirt that I owned was a Parma shirt. Um, oh, I love it. Nice. Just because I think someone found it in some like random um, catalog return shop or something. It was just like, yeah, football shirt. It's your size. Like, all right, okay, but um, but yeah, it's like just just watched like a lot of Italian football, and then obviously Champions League was always on ITV, and you know I didn't really get into sort of Sky until probably ninety six, ninety seven, um, and yeah, it was kind of that's probably why like the majority of the football that I ever remember. Um, watching when I was young is is Syria, um, or even watching some of the Dutch league. You know, I watched a lot of Ajax games in the in the mid nineties when they had that incredible European Cup winning side. Mm. Um, and it, you know, because obviously we couldn't either go to Old Trafford because we didn't have the money, or it, we didn't have Sky to watch it on TV. So I mean, I definitely yeah. remember watching the ninety four Cup final, FA Cup final against Chelsea. Uh, I think we beat them four nil, and I remember it specifically because I think. It was either the second or the third goal, but they were showing the the replay of the second goal, and, and Mark Hughes scored in. the third, and they missed like all. Hmm. It came back on, and the ball was just in the net, and it was like three nil. 
Um, <laughs> and that's that's literally the most. I've really tried hard to sort of remember what football I watched when I was younger, but I don't know if I just have a limited brain capacity or it kind of all molded into one. But that's that's basically all the stuff that I remember. I don't really remember very much Man United pre ninety seven ninety eight maybe. I mean, I definitely don't. I think you know, my, <laughs> I I think I got into football probably around around ninety nine two thousand ish. I was probably six or seven, and and had absolutely no concept of of yeah. uh, anything really, and was just sort of like the players that I liked, and um, yeah, yeah. So I I do wish I was around for the nineties that that bit more though. I wish I could have. Uh, I wish I could have seen yeah that cup final and. Seen a bit more of Cantona playing, and Mark I Hughes to be fair in his prime, mate. I, I, my, oh. my 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 uh, United at least history where I got my history lesson when I was getting in. I used to watch um, just United DVDs, and there was a whole yeah, yeah. section on Mark Hughes, uh, like you know Mark Hughes goals from like the I don't know like the ninety two to ninety uh, whatever season. Yeah, and um, hey, he was quality, and he was actually born just down the road. I think. I think he he went to school with a bunch of uh, a bunch of my f- old footy coaches from like oh, my really? childhood footy team. Yeah, he's <laughs> from, he's from around Wrexham way. Him and Robbie Savage. Um, wow. I prefer. <laughs> yeah, I prefer Mark Hughes to be honest. Rob- Robbie Savage is. Um, <laughs> you love him or you hate him, don't you? When he's comment, mate. When he's commentating on a Wales game, I'm looking yeah. forward to that this this Euros because yeah. that's. Uh, that's a, good a lot of back. people don't like him, but I, I'm I've quite warmed to him. Yeah, I've, like, I've definitely yeah. warmed to him. I He's, like um, the, uh, the the dynamic he has with Darren Fletcher, where yeah. he sat next to Darren Fletcher, going, "That was a good ball, wasn't it, Darren? <laughs> good shot, that Darren." It's like you don't you don't get any other co-coms like nah. asking as if he's drinking a pint with his mate watching it. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. Right, to be honest, honest, that's his actual job. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I've also grown really fond of um, this whole relationship with Micah Richards and Roy Keane. So, oh yeah, so it's, good. It's I, I watched a video so earlier good. and I was just I just. Was lit, you know when you laugh and like do a proper like belly laugh? Yeah, and just like I'm, I'm in absolute tears. The Road like, to Wembley like, video. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I, so part three is coming out tomorrow, I think, and I'm already looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, favorite United player of all time? Who is Oof. it? That is a very, very hard question. Um, Kanchelskis, because I thought his name was cool and he was <laughs> right, fast. Okay. He was fast <laughs> Get out. That, that was, guy was not fast what fast I was expecting at all. Um, to be honest, there's, there's, oh, it's a really, really hard question that because there's so many. But like, I mean, I don't think you could. I probably couldn't separate the likes of Scolzi and probably Van Nistelrooy. I mean, mm. Van Nistelrooy just purely because he was just a goal machine. Like, oh. he wasn't even at United for that mate, long. The amount of goals no. he scored was just unreal. You've, you've just, we, you've said it to me, mate. Van Nistelrooy is is, is also my favourite United player of all time. He was, mate, I think there's a little bit of a Van Nistelrooy sort of resurgence happening recently. I'm yeah. seeing him about a bit more. The more I talk to people, the more they're saying yeah, Van Nistelrooy. Yeah. I think everyone's sort of going, maybe at the lack of United... Mate, I fucking appreciated the shit out of him, man. Yeah. I remember, like, yeah, he was my absolute favourite player of all time. Because, again, it, maybe the era where I think I started to understand football a bit more and stopped just being like, well, Man United have, have won the game. Yeah. And actually, like, started looking at players. Mate, Nistelroy was just unbelievable. We, because he was scoring week in, week out, man. Yeah. And, and, Mate, I, think we, I think we mentioned this stat. It was 219 games he played for Manchester United. He scored 150 goals. Like, yeah. That is a mad return, isn't it? That is mental. Mm, yeah, that does, and I think he was what? 
Was he like 15 million maybe or something? Something like that, yeah. It was the, worth every penny, that's for sure. I think sure. he was from, every penny. Uh, from PSV. He had like some yeah. mad knee injury as well. 19 million. It was going to be a flop. Yeah, to be honest though, flop. even though even though he's probably in my top three, I still, you're going to probably think I'm completely insane, but my favourite period as a United fan was probably Moyes' first season. <laughs> and, and you know why? You know why you probably what? think I'm insane? No, but check, check this, <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, no joke. The thing, the thing is, the, the age that we are and the era that we grew up in, right? I used to go, right, I'm watching United today. Never even a slight concern that we might lose, ever. Right. Like, yeah. I never, ever once went to Old Trafford thinking... God, today's going to be a tough day. Even when we were playing against the biggest and best, like I never went there with any form of anxiety or trepidation as to what was going on. That season, I learned how to be a foot. Like I learned what yeah. it was like to be a real football fan because I had never experienced some of the emotions that I'd experienced in the space of ninety minutes. Like you know, losing against a penalty shootout in the flipping Carabao Cup against Sunderland after you've been there on a Tuesday night. It's pissing it down and it's you know you're losing a penalty shootout and you've been stood there for 120 minutes watching this absolute dross like playing against <laughs> Fulham playing against Fulham and seeing the ball kick crossed into the box 87 times and was not not securing a single shot on target from that and it's like it genuinely made me appreciate football because it it for the first time I was nervous before games like you get in there but do you know the one thing that really struck me as much as the keyboard warriors were calling for Moyes out not one time up until he got sacked and the same goes for Van Gaal was the strep for them not on its feet backing them and that yeah. was the time where I was like do you know what like it's a little bit more than that like we've took it we've dealt with it but not once were did I ever hear anybody calling for his head or Mate, you know they still put like his ba- they still put his banner up he was yep, he was yep, the chosen the one and all I went that to every you know, single yep. game that season i didn't miss a single game and Dude. honestly it was one of whilst it was probably one of the worst seasons of the last 30 odd years for me it it actually was good because i genuinely i mean i can't ever remember celebrating equalizing against a team that's third bottom <laughs> of the league in the 85th minute but it just kind of felt real again um, yeah definitely and- i think it's definitely done the same thing for me whereas yeah grew up just expecting to win every single fucking game no like no question about it so yeah really struggling and actually really then giving a shit about the uh, about the players and about the club before that it could be like fergie could literally fucking start like yeah he could could start whoever he wants he could put fucking Raphael right wing jisung park well what was that team against the 8-2 win against uh, against arsenal it was crazy it wasn't 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 so bad no it was not pretty at all it was like valencia was valencia on it it was fletcher Uh, it was park um Raphael, absolutely demolished them crap and absolutely (laughs) demolished them and that was what and that was what you expected whereas it suddenly became like right okay we're gonna criticize or we're at least gonna look into these players and, and at least you know phil jo- phil jones under uh, fergie was like right yeah it's phil jones fergie <laughs> oh, reckons no. he fergie reckons he's got a future as soon as fergie leaves it's like right phil jones your shit everyone everyone else right. had to do, had to sort of uh you know do a bit That's of a, start, start managing phil, the team a bit you phil know and jones. have their say Phil Jones is literally the biggest transfer coup in history. How Blackburn managed to pull our pants down for that much money for Phil Jones <laughs> is absolutely... Be- but I, then I'm we convinced. went and gave him another contract. Mate, we went and mate, gave I'm him another contract. I'm convinced that he won the, the gig of being a footballer on the back of a cereal box. 
Like he's he's. He, do you know what it is? It's just I I can't tell you what it is, but I'm genuinely struggling to remember a time where I thought he had a good game. Mate, I think I think there was a time under Fergie and maybe a little bit, a little bit under Van Gaal and like the odd game. Was that when he played in like defensive midfield because he was garbage? Maybe at there was times. There were times because <sighs> Fergie rated him, man. Fergie he did. rated he him. He, and again, did he say he was going to be like the new flipping yeah. Franco Baresi or something. Or... <laughs> yeah, so something crazy like that. And like, mm, yeah, Fergie fully rated him, so everyone backed him. And I think it took two seasons after Fergie left for everyone to go uh, right here. It's hot garbage. But yeah, I mean, uh, wh- where do you see United these days? What do you think? You know, how do you feel about Ole? Um, how do you, what, what do you think going forward? Uh, I mean, sort uh, of signings I'm, and all that sort of stuff, and just generally, where's the club I'm at? In, I'm in sort of a weird position with it because a lot of the time I watch us play, and I don't think that we've necessarily played that well. But then I look at the league position and the points, and it's kind of you know we made it to a, a final, and it's kind of it's still that that thing where like i've al- i've always been a fan of like not call it like you will never ever hear me call for a manager's head after like same you know, six bro. months because same. it's just it. it's it's counterproductive we've seen in the, the united the united fan work. base it's worth it's worth noting that i think since maybe van gaal the United fan base has become very toxic and become oh, yeah. very, very whingy. And I get yeah. it. We had nearly <laughs> 30 years of fucking, you know, just outright success. Yeah. Um, and well, and just you know, now medicine. we're struggling. Literally but it's, yeah, in it. And as well, it does absolutely nothing. The, the proof is in the fact that we've we've cycled through fucking, what, five, five, man- four, five managers in the last seven yeah. or eight years. And, you know, even even supposedly one of the best. You know, yep. well, two of the best, Van Gaal. Van yep, Gaal yep. is so highly rated. Um, Mourinho, you know, his, yep. his his record speaks for itself. The fact that they couldn't steady the ship says yep. that flipping flipping between managers is not necessarily the option. And like, you know, Solskjaer, I think, has done the absolute best job of restoring an identity to the club. He yep. has steadied the ship in a big way. Um, whether still... he's the man to go forward and win us yeah. title after title. Who knows? You know my but problem? I still think it's worth having him around. My only, so. my only problem is with him is like I can't, I can't really fault the job that he's done. And to be honest with you, all those previous managers, we've always kind of had that issue where I don't think we've had because we've not had an identity. They never signed the right players. Yeah. You know, we we went for let's go and buy ready-made players, and you know this is how we're going to do it, and it's it's obviously not worked. But I think the only thing still that is a bit of a bugbear about Ollie is that. I just feel like he's either got a lot to learn in terms of in-game management or sometimes I look at it and think, like, what are you doing? I mean, you know, Europa yeah, League definitely. finals are an example. Like, quite why we waited 100-plus minutes to make a substitution yeah. is beyond me. Knowing full well that in extra time you can make that extra sub Yeah, was... The, the, the it, subs are one of the big ones for me. There's been loads of games where it's been, like... 70 80 odd minutes where yeah. he's making his first sub and 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 you might think all right maybe maybe he's trying something there i don't know maybe he's maybe he's playing more of a tactical game waiting to see what the other manager does but there are games where we're we're crying out for a sub at 60 minutes yeah. half time yeah. sometimes and he doesn't do it and it's but do you think as well that we struggle i think at the moment having that impact player that comes off the bench like that's, that's i don't know that's, who that is i don't know who that's that where i want to jump in I want to jump in at that point. As a as a neutral, I've watched a lot of United this year. 
mainly watch a lot of United because Ben watches a lot of United. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, me and You're him being vicarious Ben through me, yeah. <laughs> sort of. And the thing, when it's bringing somebody off the bench, it is, you look at the bench and think, is there anybody on the yeah. bench that can actually better what somebody's already doing on the pitch? Sometimes and the only is. person, Cavani the only person that I on the bench is Cavani, great. Greenwood I don't think on the bench sometimes is great. Yeah. Martial's been take, injured. Take, we, take, we do have some options, man. We have on. options. But take, Donny van der Beek. Take, Donny van der Beek. Exactly my point. Take Cavani <laughs> off because he's obviously he's 36. He's not going to start every game from the from, yeah. from from the start. Greenwood is 19. You don't want to play him every game and absolutely burn him out or injure him and fuck him up for the next year. His prog- his progression is vital, right? Yeah. Van der Beek, I think, has absolutely been mismanaged this year to the point where Ajax, he was playing that number 10 role. And yeah. in United's team, Fernandez is nailed on number 10. Yeah. And instead of, instead of bringing Van der Beek on, he brings Matic on. Yeah. And Van der Beek's got legs. He can pass the yeah, ball. Matic he can retain the no ball. Legs. He can press the ball. <laughs> he, you know, he he's got he's a well-rounded footballer. He can play number ten. But look at when he comes on and plays with Matter and makes these nice little flicks here and there. Yeah. These positional first-time balls to put Greenwood into space. Matic isn't doing that. And that's where I think in all of the games that they've played this year, when they've needed that extra creative spark. Van der Beek has been mismanaged and literally every time you go on Twitter after United have played and just see him sat in the stands with a, a, yeah. a very unhappy face <laughs> is quite hard to take after no he's a wonderful footballer but yeah, he's obviously yeah. just not getting the time to adapt and I think also just to know like to me the Martial experiment is done I think yes. I think yeah. it's over. Yeah. He, he yeah. literally burst on the scene and was one of my favourites. Like Same. I mean, he was my f- the way a... that he could just oh, wait, when he had the Bro. ball at his feet, nobody could stop him. But I had an embarrassing moment in I had an embarrassing moment in a hotel room where I think I think Martial scored a winner against Spurs, and I was so buzzing that I literally turned into like a nine-year-old and just sort of bounced about, going, "He's my favourite player. He's my favourite player in the whole team." Yes, I may as well started putting posters on the wall and that Martial shirt. It's like trying to play like him and that. I loved him, man, and I think he. I don't think the signing is could be considered a flop in any way, shape, or form because nah. he scored some amazing goals, and I think we will get a good return on him if we do sell him. I think we'll probably get about the amount that we put in for him, which I don't think so. again, probably. I think we will. Uh, maybe I, I don't, don't know about so. current situation, but I'd still I think we think get so. forty million we- for him. I think yeah, 40, I think, 50 I mil. That's and that's about what we put in, 40, 50 mil. Yeah. But honestly, the way that this is going and the way that the football world is, I think he'll stay for another season and have to prove himself for another season. I, I don't, I can't see us shifting him. I can't see us shifting him in this transfer window. Buying him in this window. Yeah, so we, I think he's going to be still around, which wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst thing because he's he's been out of the squad on injury, and we do look a little bit thinner up top. It would be yeah. nice to at least still have that option. We need that strength and depth. So I think hanging on to, I think although the, I, I don't want to be as harsh and say his potential hasn't been met, but I think we shouldn't be too scared about about missing out on a you know a potential worldie i think he's we probably have a good idea of where his potential's at and yeah, is it sure. is it as high as greenwood is nope. it it's, it's nowhere it's nowhere near <laughs> nowhere as high near. as someone like harland you know potentially in a couple of seasons which i'd love to see and there's been some talk about chelsea going for harland which yeah for like something that's daft like 170 million or something stupid like that i just don't it? want us to buy sancho 
Like really? Ooh, just, interesting. I, do you know what? I'm really? honestly, I just wow. it, weirdly okay. don't quote me on this because I'm not a Bundesliga expert. Like I watch the highlights, but like, yeah, I just, I've just got this feeling that he's not. I've just got. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I'm now concerned with us buying big players for big money because a lot uh, of them yeah. have just tended to flop. But I'm just not convinced that he fits in and. I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not even sure who fits in in that position, but we definitely know that realistically we need a right back, a centre back, and a right winger. I mean, mm. it looks like hopefully. I mean, I'd be stoked if we did sign Trippier um, because you know for for the price that's quoted, twelve million. I'd take I don't that all think day it's. Long. I I read something today about it being it's they're going to hold out for something closer to like thirty apparently. So don't no know way. what happens with that, but no I think way. he not wants for a to go. Two year old. He's not thirty-two. I think he's thirty. I think he's thirty or thirty-one. Might, yeah, I think he, I think he's past. Yeah, he might be thirty-one. Well, I, just... but I still heard that the fee was going to be a bit more. Um, I don't know. I I like the idea of Sancho. I've, I watch I watch highlights uh, from I the, again. I watch highlights I think I'm and, uh, because uh, I've not seen enough of him. Like, right. I think that I'd probably be more. You know, like for example, if someone said Grealish is available, empty the bank account. Like, go and empty the bank account because he would just work, but. Where would he work is more the question, but that's because I watch him play every week. Whereas Sancho, I, I just I struggle to get that excited about someone who I've not really watched. Yeah. That I think much, he's but... more specified to I that really position like as Rafinha. well. I think he Rafinha would be my second option for sure. Rafinha yeah. is, I think, would really be good. cheaper and is and, and has no a way that skills. there's no way that we're signing Rafinha. No way, yeah. Not no. a chance. I've, where there's been talk of him going, is it Liverpool? There's yeah, Liverpool have been Liverpool. Liverpool have been sniffing around and Yeah, I mean I I honestly think Sancho would be a good signing. I think he's probably just got that bit more experience than well, they have to, a lot like, of the options. Ten million. No, they're after eight eighty ish, I think. The talk mm-hmm. is eighty plus add ons, which you think is probably a bit more doable. Um but from what I've seen from him, I think it's his creative ability which is important and i think he already is kind of pally pally with rashford and a few other players he wants to play for united which is a big plus for me because i don't want to see another Di maria where it's someone kind of coming because (laughs) it's like oh you know they don't actually want to play with we've had too many of them we've had too many players that come over um and and they just they don't want to play and 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 they don't adjust well to the English game or even just living in England and I think yeah, yeah. I think that's a bit, honestly as well I think it's I think a big part of it is that he's English I think yeah. it makes him want to come and play there and he'll understand the system he won't have to there won't be the sort of communication barrier which you know it, it I think people underestimate how hard it is to probably settle just in another country like the fact that he's yeah, coming yeah. back to his home country it probably means he'll settle in that bit quicker I think he's just because we have been absolutely lacking on that right side since since Ronaldo basically um I just think it's time that we buy like yeah a banging right winger and I, and I do think he'll be able to do it I think he'll know the game and I think it's his creative ability he, he scores a lot um I think with the service that he gets but I think he does I wouldn't say he's Bruno-esque but he has yeah. a skill set about him which is he can yeah, work yeah. in small spaces he can play off a pass in small spaces he can drive it into um you know dangerous positions and play a pass and I think ultimately we just need to be that that 
on that right side is where we're lacking because at the minute everything goes down the left or the middle for United right now. It all goes through Rashford and Shaw or it all goes through Bruno and what have you got on that right side? You've got Mason, all right, but Mason's not looking to assist the build-up. Mason's probably looking to get in and to score yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. make something happen. So on that right side, your option for your creative option is Wambasaka. And although I don't think he's as bad creatively and going forward as as people say, he's not necessarily a threat in that position. If you open up United's attack to have someone like Sancho who can work it into those dangerous positions on that right side, it just starts stretching defences around a lot more, which is what I think we struggle against. We struggle against teams that just fucking sit and yeah. and that's what Can't to be fair we've down. been better we've been better for that this season we've broken <laughs> the fact that i'm rating a season based on the fact that we managed to break down burnley is something, <laughs> isn't it? but that's that's we we've we've beat burnley twice this season so you know we broke them down which is better than last season so yeah there's something that i think needs to be said on the fact that what you just mentioned with trippier and with Wambasaka though and i've seen some people say it on twitter here and there doesn't mean anything because anyone can say anything on twitter but the fact that Wambasaka is heralded as the best one-on-one defender in the Premier League. To me, with his sort of not lack of creativity, but not. I mean, at Crystal Palace, his creativity probably looks relatively okay, but in a United team, it, it obviously doesn't shine. Yeah. Do you not think a player of that defensive, like, ability can? I know where you, you know. If, if, know where if, you're if going Kyle, yeah, if Kyle Walker <laughs> can play centre back, I yeah. think Wambasaka can so, do it a little bit better. So funnily enough, um, I was having a conversation last week with uh, Jim from the Ghost Inside, um, right? And he he's basically a United fan, and we were always fucking chatting about football and what have you. And he actually said to me um, a couple of probably a couple of weeks ago, he said, "I don't know if it's worth giving uh, Wambasaka a shot in preseason at um, centre back." And then about two weeks later, he sent me a link to like a Telegraph Sport article where it said um, United planning to try Wambasaka at centre back in, yeah, in preseason yeah. friendlies. And I don't know, it's just. The problem there at centre-back is that we haven't had a good centre-half pairing since Vidic and Ferdinand. Fair enough, Maguire does does bits, but like Lindelof has got a mistake in him. Baye's a liability, whilst yeah. he is a good... He, he, he's decent, but he's, he's kind of one of them where... Player. Yeah, he's physical, but it's just one of them where whenever he gets the ball, he just makes me nervous because yeah. he's very... He always tries to... Like, like, he's done it before where he's produced a little highlight reel moment of like, oh, look at Bayou doing a step over in his own box yeah. and clearing it. But then it's like, but don't do that every fucking time you're on the ball. Yeah. Like, he does seem to like sort of want to twist and turn people. And yeah. it's kind of like, no, mate, just, just do the... Sim- it's, Lindelof does the simple things well at times, yeah. but makes fucking ridiculous his, mistakes. It's very bad position, in the air. His position is awful. Horrific, yeah. The amount of times a ball goes over his head is yeah. just it's worrying. This will sound uh, daft, but how tall is Wambasaka? I think he's about six, six one ish. I think he's taller yeah, than he looks. He's quite lanky. He's like, well, you've seen his he's spider, isn't he? He's got legs on yeah, him. Yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. can put a tackle in. He's 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 pretty tall, I think. I think he's like But, but then again, be, this is something that I've for sure. This is something that I saw recently because we've also been linked to Jules Koundé, who's rapid and you know is a bit more of a mobile defender. Um, yeah. And but people have sort of said, "Nah, I don't want him because he's sort of five ten, five eleven. But then you look at yeah. players like Puyol. I think Puyol was yep. like five ten. Um, I think, sure. yeah. There's a lot of like classic Italian defenders who weren't necessarily that big. I think 
Uh, I don't know who you would buy though. Like I can't think of someone that I would just go out and buy and stick in at centre back. Varane is my only one. That I mean, I'm that, like, there's that's, that's the only that's one. That's not really that... a long term. It's not really a no, but I I think in that but I think in that centre back position, I think right now, like you said, because United haven't had a solid centre back uh, pairing. There's players like Ben White get chucked around. And Ben White, I'm sure, has a big future ahead of him. And, you know, yeah, Jules Koundé, he gets chucked around. I think he's only 20, 21, something like that. But I think United at the back, I don't think we can risk it on another development nah. player. I think, like, it has to be, a, like, a well-experienced first-team player. And I just think... Varane fits the bill, but I have a, just a horrible sense of he's doing this to get a better contract with Madrid. Yep. He's doing exactly what Varane, <laughs> fuck it, uh, not Varane, Ramos, Ramos did a yeah. few years ago. Sounds Even like though Wesley Schneider, yeah, Wesley we've been Schneider. buying Wesley Schneider since like ninety six or something. <laughs> Even he was, now, when since he's he was retired. eight years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah. we've we've talked a lot of United. So, final question is. In your opinion, if you had an armchair's manager solution other than Ole, who would it be? I mean, never, ever, ever happen in a million years. But let's be honest, aside from the fact that Pep's a checkbook manager and Liverpool have gone off the boil a bit, is there a better manager in the top divisions in Europe than Marcelo Bielsa? That's, that. that's 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 great. But but genuinely, like it's just and it's one of them, it's like people always go, Yeah, you should hate leads and like blah blah like you know, it's it's the the, the job that he has done with They've been a joy. the players that he, it really is like the just the work ethic, like you know, you mm. can't Paul Pogba will not run box to box. Like no. the amount of goals we've we've conceded where he's just not running. Leeds do not stop running. Like, yeah. it, it it pains me to say it, but like they've literally been a joy to watch for the last. Even they have. even the season where they didn't make it up, they were mm. really, really, really good. And like, yeah. what he's done is he's taken players who you know you probably would have looked at. Le- I mean, a lot of people said when Leeds were coming up to the Premier League, like, yeah, they've got no chance. Like, squad's not good enough. Bamford's not good enough. Like, he just Bamford's he just gets quality, a tune. Man. He just gets a tune out of players, and you know you you really cannot pick faults in the work that he's done he seems so yeah. meticulous with everything and literally flogs the players to death to the point where they're super fit and mm. it's shown in it's shown in the way that they finish obviously something like that would never in a million years happen i mean to be honest with you i would have loved someone like uh nagelsman but obviously he's gone yeah. to Bayern. Bayern. um yeah. you know the likes of I mean, originally, before Klopp decided to go to Liverpool, I would have had Jurgen Klopp because I really liked the mm. stuff that he did at Dortmund. But I don't know. It's just... I think the issue that we've got is that it's... If, for example, next season was to be a disaster and Ollie was to be let go, I just don't think this managerial merry-go-round of the likes of Ancelotti and Allegri mm, uh, and I don't you know, stuff like that. Like we, that we just yeah. don't need that. But then do Conte, you take a punt? Conte's been thrown about a bit as well. And it's like, yeah, these guys hop around so much. They, they do proje- and they know. They're project managers. They yeah, come along, I mean, they, they have a goal, they achieve it. And then it's I mean, kind I reckon, of like... I reckon Jose Mourinho has got a savings account that he's like renamed Severance Pay. And it's just, <laughs> but it is literally overflowing with zeros because yeah. they just jump from club to club. But then again, it's like, 
are a club like United going to take a punt on someone who's potentially, you know, a decent Englishman? I mean, people banded around the likes of Eddie Howe going to Spurs and stuff like that. But, you know, do people see his achievements at Bournemouth as being worthy of managing you know, a club like Liverpool I'm or Tottenham? Sort or of on no. that on that wavelength. And people will, will say, oh, you're one of them. Graham Potter, like... No, I I think you need someone that top level. What do you mean? Top top like at that tell, top no, top no, no, top, on, top on, level. Go back, right. go back. <laughs> tell me why no. Well, for a start, Potter. I'm just not about having <laughs> Potter in charge. And for the other one as well, like mate, for that That's top not really any top level. No, I know his name is Potter. No. Just, no, just of course it it's not. Brian Potter, Phoenix <laughs> of course it's not. Of course it's not. That's a joke, right? <laughs> what I'm saying though is right. That top top level of manage management and that top level of club success, as proven by Tuchel, um, as proven by people like like Nagelsmann and that kind of thing, like real real tacticians, Pep. You need an elite tactician at that top okay. level. Okay. If someone you know, like if so, if someone so, like Graham Potter came in, I wouldn't I I wouldn't be right. confident that he would be able to right. get the best out of players like Cavani and Pogba. You know what I mean? You okay. need someone who but has proven. Separate the art from the artist in that sense. He needs Graham to work Potter, with better players. I think Graham before. Potter. He, he could does. be You're correct. Graham Potter went to Sweden and took a third division Swedish side from the third division to the top division, won the league. Got them into the Europa League, beat Arsenal, comes into yeah. the, comes into the UK and starts playing this nice expansive football at a team like Brighton. And every time City have played him, they've gone. But, what a great football team! But on the subject of, of that, Oli took Molder to their first ever yeah. time in the Norwegian division and then got relegated at Cardiff, or got yeah. relegated at Cardiff previously. I just, I don't know. I think I just, he got relegated get, and then went saying. to Molder. I get what you're I, saying, but. It doesn't translate to the Prem. Prem is like elite level shit. Think of all the managers that have ever won a Premier League title. They're all elite. They've all been in the game for a long, long time. They've all worked with some of the absolute best players in the world or are very, very qualified technicians. I agree. I don't but think... In my don't, mind, like, somebody Potter's, like Potter's, Potter's never managed more qualified in qualified than somebody he, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Has he seen anyone... No, mm, but I think honestly, I think the reason Solskjaer was hired though was purely for his connection to the club and of his course, understanding yeah, of, of the club's DNA. I think that's what that signing was about. And I would argue, actually, fuck that. I wouldn't even have to argue it. That has paid off. We have improved as a team. Whether oh, he's the guy to see United to you know to the to the same sort of level as 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 Fergie. I mean, that in itself is is what every manager, regardless of whatever club you're at kind of aims to go for i'll tell you i'd take pochettino mm, without a doubt yeah poch poch is pot again poch is proven so there you go poch yeah. has worked with some of the best yeah. he he would be a great option i personally think for another year or two let let solskjaer make his his signings let him build a a, a proper man united team and then see where that goes i think if solskjaer hasn't won anything I think if Solskjaer doesn't win anything next year, he's gone, basically. I think if he's not won anything, because his job's already been done. He's already yeah. restored the identity back to the club. Yeah. That'll live on through that players like reason, Bruno the and Rashford. Him in. Could you imagine exactly. if they brought in a different, a different manager, another another Jose or Van Gaal, and we had another, there was another season where it just didn't go to plan. And to be honest with you, like 
as much as obviously, don't get me wrong, like winning is everything. But to be fair, I'm I I just like to watch good football. Like mm. you know, like I I genuinely would not say that like if we finish second again next year or make it to a cup final. Like I don't I don't really see this season as a failure in any sense of the word because it's it's the fact that we we're already miles better than we were last season. Yes, Liverpool were off the boil. Yes, Chelsea had a struggling start, which probably gave us a bit of a head start, but. I just I think that as long as you can see improvement, there's you know there's obviously room uh, work to be done. But I'm not sure if it'd be next season or whether he'd get two years now. But again, it's also dependent on what what Glazers give him financially, what Woodward or whoever his successor is will give him financially, and will make deals for players because obviously he's going to live or die by the players that he signs. Well, as well, I think like. Ultimately, you can see so much change in one season as well. Yeah. Like, you know, so many new players emerge every season. Every season, a new team proves himself. Every So, who knows? But I think this season will be the judgment, really. I think that Europa League final... Had you won that Europa League final, I think it would have been like, your job's safe for the next yeah. two, three years, mate. Yeah, I think you've, sure. you've won us a little something and you're all right. But I do think... And I, I think I even said this to you, pals, because I'm a loyalist to all managers. I was Jose out, and I was Jose in until we lost against Liverpool, and then kind of went. Mm. Yeah. But uh, I even said to you, pals, like this, this, this little sort of semi-final, final spook that we've got going is—it's starting it's to seem a little. It's starting to seem more like tactics and tactical choices than anything. Um, yeah. So that game, let's know. not let's not beat around the bush. That Europa League final was there for the taking. No, we just, oh, we, didn't, we just didn't create anything. We didn't create anything. The, 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 the first fifteen that... minutes, perfect. Mm. Couldn't thought this is going to be a good game. This after fifteen minutes, it just there was just nothing. Literally Rashford, nothing. I think, had the worst game of his career that night. Oh, oh the Rashford had a couple of chances that he just, just bottled. And even uh, now, I just think in his his general play was just. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, is I think a break. He's had a bloody big year, and he like, and it, yeah, and that's the thing. Final, I think, but... I think ultimately that was United's problem. It was burnout at the end of the season. I think Maguire got injured. Who, despite all of his, you know, d- well, despite him being very slow and making a couple of mistakes early in the season, is an absolute fucking rock at the back, and he is a proper captain <laughs> as much as you know. He does. He his presence is missed in that in that team. Um, yeah, and I think as soon <laughs> as he got I, injured, everyone kind of just went shit. The only thing that's burned into my brain from that Europa League final is we were at the walkabout watching that with um, me, Sam. Obviously, Sam's a neck deep, and then our friend Koo. Um Koo's a big United fan, and when Fred stepped up to that penalty, me and Koo looked at each other and went, "This is it. It's over." And then he takes yeah. the best penalty of the lot. And we we're like, "What the? Do fuck? you know what though?" <laughs> It's it's kind of just to be honest that that penalty shootout summed up David de Gea's last eighteen oh, yeah. months at United. Like if he, I can't see a world where I don't know whether it'd be this see this summer, but I cannot see a world where he's still the United keeper in twelve months because I just don't yeah. understand why they would bring Henderson back to to play second fiddle when he could have gone and played Premier League football easily could have gone to another Premier League mm. club. Like, there's just no reason to bring Henderson back if De Gea's not well, off. I mean, he's gone joke. off the boil the last 18 months. Like, he, you, you're telling me a goal a goalkeeper's primary job is to stop goals, stop goals. And if you can't stand there and even get save a penalty in six, yeah. years, six or seven yeah. years, he's not saved a penalty. I could have Mate. saved half them penalties. 
<laughs> it's it, it, it's it's the last couple of years. I think it was since that World Cup of uh, since the last World Cup. Yeah. I think he's been uh, very shaky, and I think he's yeah. just very prone to a mistake. And I would just cash in on him because he's costing us like three hundred k a week yeah. in wages. I would. And I would hundred percent sell him to the highest bidder. Yeah, and to be honest, as much as Jose, you know, I think Jose's a bit. He's a bit. Ba- I feel like Jose is going to have this big dip in his career, and then he's going to come back as an old grey-haired proper like yeah. wizard and like boss yeah, it. Yeah. But um, Jose actually was singing uh, Henderson's praises. He was saying, "Oh, he's saying something about England's goalkeepers." Or United's he said he will be number one. He will ba- be incredible. Or he said, "I don't think any of them are phenomenal yet." He was like, "I think yeah. Dean Henderson could be phenomenal." So well, like, we'll see about that. More mistakes from Pickford, then he'll probably be taking them England gloves. We'll see. We'll see. Right, this United section has gone on, and we have covered almost. No, let's keep talking about United. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this is where we get to the eleven, and uh, this is a your all-time eleven. That whatever reasons you've got for picking these players, and and I like this eleven. But we're going to start with it. We'll go through it position by position. Do you know what? Um, just before we do, I'm just going to say yeah. this is probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because <laughs> I basically great. wrote a, I wrote a list and I was like, I've got like five goalkeepers and like <laughs> I need to and I just for the last like three four days I've just been chopping them down and then I got to a point where I was just like, do you know what the center, the, the main striker I was just like. I can't actually pick one of these, so I, I shut my eyes and ticked one of them on the thing, and that's nice. where we ended up. Well, you ended up with a good one, and we'll get it to it. It was him. very hard. But starting on that, we'll go through position by position, and I have to say, sure. this is where Liam comes in really handy for all the <laughs> yeah. obscure football knowledge. I have never heard of this goalkeeper, and I had to Google him earlier to have a look. Obviously, he's never played out of South America. He has. He played in Spain for like Did he? Three, two or three seasons, I think. For let me get it I right. I must have it missed was, that when I read it. I want to say it was like Espanol or yeah, Deportivo. That's one. Deportivo. Do you know why I love this keeper? I mean, go on, go on. I'll let you name him and then I'll tell you. If you, you name him, you name him. Ho- Jose Luis Chilavert. The only reason I love this keeper is because you probably obviously you don't know who he is. So um, he basically every team he ever played in, he was the captain, and right. he always used to take the set pieces. So. He's actually scored in oh. his career like 50 goals. I think I've heard of this guy actually. So yeah, he, he, heard, he's, yeah. I think he's from Panama or Par- uh, Paraguay. Yes. And Did he take the penalties? Yes. No, he took but, free kicks oh, as he well. He took free oh, kicks, mate. Kicks. If you yeah. Google his highlight reel, he has literally scored some Roberto Carlos Beckham-esque free kicks. <laughs> like they would literally stick a defender on the edge of the 18-yard box, like a right back. He'd literally go up and just bend free kicks in the top bins every single time. Like he scored, I think, something like 45 46 goals. goals. 46 it's, goals in his career. Yeah, it's incredible. Like he's I the, I think the, he's the world's highest bloke. scoring goalkeeper. Um, but I always used to play as him. I always used to, I don't know which FIFA it was, but I always used to play him on FIFA. And I was always like, he is like in my team because he just, he's, he's got, he's literally something like. Maybe like eight Shit keeper, or eight but he's got an absolute yeah, right foot proper, on him. <laughs> proper garbage, but he's got a proper proper left peg on him here. <laughs> Is he left? <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, His nickname reason... was the Bulldog. <laughs> amazing. What other reason could you want to pick a keeper other than you scored more goals than ever, any other exactly. keeper? Even that's the opposite of your job. Like, I was thinking yeah. of being boring and being like, oh, we'll take Buffon or like someone like that, but it was just too <laughs> obvious. 
It's something that yeah, runs deep in South goal American keepers, isn't it? Just absolute madheads. That was, that yeah, was confidence. Hagita yeah. that used to do the the clearance of the off his line with what he jump and the, essentially yeah. the scorpion the backwards. Yeah, the oh, scorpion, scorpion kick. kick. Yeah, scorpion, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Must be something in the water down there. It's got to be. It's got to be. I think it is I mean, just a bit wild, isn't it? It's yeah. all just a, look at it's the amount of Brazilian about... keepers that are just unreal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right then. Um, so you, you've gone for a back three, is is that correct? Back four, back four. Oh, I haven't got. I haven't got the formation. I've just got the thing. Here. I thought I remembered seeing a, a back four, but a back three. It sorry, a, but it is a back four. All right. Well, let's go with your left back then. Your left back. You've got. You've gone for Maldini at left yep. back. Traditionally a centre back, if I'm not mistaken. Originally, there, but... originally started his career as a left back um, right. and okay. moved to centre back as he got older and slower. Um, Basically, he's probably my favorite defender from when I was a kid because obviously I watched a lot of Serie A and like yeah. just the dynamic of like him and Berezi was just he he was so good at just reading the game and he was always in the right place at the right time. Um, plus, he had some like mad long perm at one point and he always had he was a bit sort of Perlo like where he always he always looked like really good when he was playing football and he gets to like run about for ninety minutes in like a European Cup semi final and look like he's not done any exercise but aside from that he was a really really good defender probably the best right. probably i'd probably say my favorite defender ever nice if uh, well if we're going off very classic if we're going if we're going off some of the previous guests uh ross rickers has said i think he picked moldini as right as well right or or at least yeah, the did. reasoning for her, a lot of his pick his reasoning was just because he's cool as fuck and yeah, I mean that's that's half the reasoning. I feel yeah. like with Maldini, he's just one of those slick so Italian defenders who, who is truly Italian in the way of like reads the game well and is just a very intelligent defender. Just like so so solid. Like yeah. you can have you can have defenders who like yeah can put a tackle in and are, and are bruisers and yeah you know but but the best defenders ever you know you know Puyol and um, Cannavaro and fucking yeah Maldini. They they read the game so so well and uh, I, yeah I think that was I didn't know he started his career as a left back though what what sort yeah. of who what was his was I think was he, he was quick a, was he he was also a just a one I think he only ever played for AC Milan as well I think he did yeah, yeah. he's okay. got an incredible record like I'm sure he's played like seven or eight hundred games or something crazy like that. I can't remember if it was Maldini or Gattuso or something like not Gattuso. Can't can't yeah, remember right. who it is. Was it Gattuso or someone Maldini? And Ronaldo had, was born, and well, basically, Maldini uh, Ronaldo played against him, and I think it was like yeah, Maldini Maldini had been at AC Milan longer than Ronaldo had like even been alive. He played. Yeah, he, ended up he played for Milan from 1984 to 2009. He had 647 appearances, 29 goals, 126 <laughs> appearances for Italy, and seven goals. 25 years. Yeah. Respect. Respect. It doesn't doesn't happen enough these days, you know. I and his lad's great. playing for AC Milan, I believe. Yeah, he now. is. Yeah. Daniel Maldini. Yeah. yeah. Mm, interesting. Okay. He was the uh, manager, wasn't he? Was he the manager? At no, AC I think Milan or? he's the he's Maybe the a sport, he's the he's the direct he's sport, the director yeah, of football sporting now. director. Yeah. Yeah. No. But anyway, centre backs. You've chosen two absolute bruisers. One yeah. usually yep. had a smile on his face, and the other one yep. didn't have a smile we're on not, his face. We're not messing about here. We're not messing <laughs> about. So you've gone for Marcel Desailly and Nemanja Vidic as your centre back pairing. 
I mean, I don't need anything, honestly, from a centre-back. I don't need anything other than someone who will headbutt a concrete wall to dust. (laughs) And, like, Vidic Vidic is that kind of player where they don't really make players like him anymore, where he would literally, like, physically run through a wall and take... He would not not have a care what the amount of times I've seen him fly into tackles where I'd be kind of like, I'm probably going to get hurt if I do this. And he'd just get up, dust himself off, and off he went. And he was just... Mm. He was so dry as a character whereby he yeah. kind of almost sometimes reminded me of being very robotic in his career. Like, he'd oh, give interviews... He was a total think, Terminator. Mate, he absolutely just saw ball, yeah. laser vision, lock-on ball, yeah. winning it. But and, and that's the thing, though, where you say, like, you know... They do kind of make players these days that are fucking bruisers and that'll just like run into a tackle, but never like they're rarely as sort of polished as Vidic nah. was. Vidic was so polished in like being such a brute and just such a strong and and just amazing ball winner. It but, was it was not that and but, the fact that Rio Rio complimented him because Rio was yeah. a player who could pass the ball out from the back. Whereas, to be honest, yeah, where did where did we get Vidic from? It was from it was from somewhere really random, wasn't it? It was probably like... probably some for the, the front door of a Bosnian nightclub or something. I, don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was part of Belgrade, maybe. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Whoever so, scouted yeah. that guy must have seen some shit. Like <laughs> whoever went to Belgrade, I don't know if you've ever yeah. been to Belgrade before, but it's quite mm. an uneasy. Uneasy place to visit. Um, I, just, I could just imagine. I could just imagine. Well, I've literally like seen this man scout. slide tackle. I've, I've, I've just seen this bloke slide tackle this dude's head off outside of a club. Yeah. I think he might be able to win a ball. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think we're going to sign this bloke. But to be honest with you, it, it just. Without him, Ferdinand wasn't as good as he was because they just complimented and, and vice versa. Like, they just complimented each other so who well was, and to there, be honest there, there might be something was, to be said of the john stones effect this year playing next to ruben diaz oh 100 mm. yeah 100 i tried to leave the... united players out but i was just like i can't have a defense that doesn't have nemanja vidic headbutting people I, in it. I picked vidic yeah, when we did that when we did the pilot of this podcast yeah he's an absolute beast mate i'm just thinking who was ferdinand's pair uh who was his partner before vidic i think he might have had a brief little period of Laurent blanc maybe Laurent blanc, for a second was, was it gar not heinzer what was the other guy called no heinzer was a right back he was a right back wasn't he? um fuck knows yeah i mean that says a lot that it, we were sort of just floating around oh would yeah. he maybe no he didn't catch the tail end of yaps oh god God, who knows who was defending at that point John O'Shea maybe probably yeah, John maybe. O'Shea Wes Brown like John maybe O'Shea Wes or Wes Brown, Brown? Yeah, there, yeah it probably would have been which are basically the early 2000s versions of Phil Jones and Chris Smalling but <laughs> maybe a bit better basically maybe, yeah. yes I, would, I rate John O'Shea above Phil I only Jones, rate John maybe. O'Shea for that goal he bagged against Liverpool and didn't he play in nah, that mate- didn't he have to go in goal Mate, yeah, he played a net once, and I tell you what yeah. as well. Some everyone always forgets. Mate, he fucking Megs Figo. I'm did, not even yeah, joking. He, he nutmeg Figo. Yeah. Figo. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> John O'Shea all didn't, day, didn't mate. Fuck Vidic. Didn't didn't Cusack? Was it Thomas Cusack? Got, I can't remember if it was him. We got sent off. I think it was Mike. Was it Ca- was it Carroll? I think it was oh, Roy it was Carroll. Carroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he basically led on his fellow Irishman and went, "Get, get your ass in net. Stick these gloves right. on, off you go." <laughs> and so Marcel Desailly is yeah, your I mean, other, is your centre back pair his, with Vidic. Uh, primarily, I mean, you know, that 
France 98, like, he was almost unbeatable. Like, just yeah. an absolute tank. And I think as well, like, another player who, whilst he was a bruiser, was actually really good at sort of reading the game. Like, his positioning mm. was always on point. And just that kind of guy where I think, I could just imagine him giving strikers an absolute nightmare. Like, You'd Very like mobile, walk out and just think, think well. it was a bit like, you know, going up against like Martin Keogh and just knowing that you're going to get smashed about and yeah. it's not going to be an easy day. And I just, he, the fact that he, he was mobile meant that, to be honest with you, he could easily play centre back. A lot of the times he played defensive midfielder yeah. in some games and he was yeah. just, he could slot into either sitting deep or pushing up. And it, it's just like that versatility of those kind of players. And there wasn't a lot of players in the, in the, in that era that were so versatile that they could play two or three different positions comfortably and he was yeah. just that guy yeah france does produce those quite um quite quite like mobile defenders you know what i mean yeah. i'd say they've they've sort of got that in Varane a bit now he's quite mobile desai i don't think who else is, is played well i'd say you know people like Patrick Vieira again very mobile but very defensive but just intelligent they just produce yeah, yeah. intelligent yeah. players yeah. That's, and yeah. it's even showing now in France yeah Makaleli as well yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe they've got more success in that central defensive area but like you say Dessa you could kind of play even Kante uh, like Kante now is, is that yeah, kind yeah. of player you know what I mean just yeah. so so intelligent they are very very slick players and he was kind of one of the best the sort of modern uh, versions of that that intelligent slick like French defender um, yeah for sure since since then yeah maybe I'm trying to think who's sort of been the best French defender since then and it's hard to really say I think that's maybe one area that France have kind of uh, well their attacking options and their midfield options are, are insane maybe yeah, La- yeah. Laporte is, but, but then again France are just France well we're talking about I guess if we're going to dip into Euro thing for a sec France again are heavy, heavy contenders. Scary. You look at their their centre their centre Well, mate, I I had them on it honestly for the last World Cup, um, and I really should have put some money on it. So maybe I should, ah, but then again, odds the this fact their under twenty one team looks better than most other teams in the Euros is very yeah. scary. Um, but yeah. anyway, moving to the right back, one of my favourite right backs. I wouldn't pick him for my all time eleven, but he's still one of my favourite right backs. Danny Alves. Do you know what? I almost didn't, and to be honest, this was a it was a flip of a coin between um, Alves and Philip Lam, just because oh, he is my favourite. Again, like he's, it's just there's just players who are sort of like versatile, and like mm. it, it's just I very I very rarely ever recall watching him play and seeing him put a foot wrong in a game. Yeah, and, I mean to play to play at the highest level for as long as he did, and you know it, it's. To be honest, it could have it could have been either. Like I like them both for the same reason. Um, you know, they've just I don't know. He's just always been a player. I've just Danny Alves always just had something where he'd he'd never he never really came out. Like in the first when I first made a list, I was like, okay, we got this guy, this guy, this guy. And I was like, oh yeah, Danny Alves was a right back. And then I, the more I thought about it, I was just like, I actually really enjoyed watching him play. Like again, just very versatile and you know, someone I who feel could like... do, do both. Alves was one of those players that when you, he would f- play for Barcelona against teams that you would want to beat Barcelona, he would yeah. piss you off, but he'd piss yep. you off because he was so good. 
Yeah. And that was the problem. And he's, he, he had that little bit of swagger <clears throat> about him where he always sees somebody, always gives someone a bit of shit, and then he'd yep. just back it up with absolute quality yeah. every time. And he, just, like, he, he could do, he could, fuck. he was as good going forward as he was going back, which oh, is a rarity yeah. in that position. Incredible. All right. So, 4 3 3, we've gone three midfielders. We've, I mean, do you want to name all three in one, or do you want to go one by one? It's up I to mean, you. I chose Clarence Sadoff and Frank Rijkaard purely and simply because I watched a lot of Ajax in the mid '90s and Dutch destroyers. That man. that yeah. that I to be honest with you, not even joking. I could have just filled out this eleven as the <laughs> um, the Ajax Champions League winning team from '95 yeah. because <laughs> it, 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 was it is like, worth noting. This is the first time Frank Rijkaard's been picked. To to be honest with you, he was like the missing piece in that Ajax team. Like he he did so much good work from like when he came. I think he came in in the late eighties. He wasn't there like a huge amount of time, but like he him him and Sadov together was just unstoppable. And they mm. again both players who he he was as good defensively as he was going forward. Going and it forward. was just just that thing where you could just imagine them all day going at it with like you know whoever's churning up in midfield for Real Madrid and, and getting the best of them and just the awareness of where they were. I mean, that 95, um, even though it was a tight game, it was just, it, that game, that, that European Cup final in 95 was won and lost in the centre circle in the middle of the pitch. Mm. And it they just absolutely bossed it together. And to be honest, it was a shame, but the fact that Dutch football was on fire in that year and then all these, all these teams started getting broken up and players would go off to Milan and... Juventus places time, like man, that with, I mean. with, with Dutch players like yeah because it's, it's it's just a, it's not a, a big money league but well yeah but Ajax's youth setup is like you know one of the one of the absolute best in the world so yeah. for a team that produces yeah it's it's I kind of see them almost like a Dortmund of like a bit of a Dortmund thing where they're really really good but they just let all their best players go yeah. but yeah Dortmund I mean Dortmund are a selling club these days like yeah, yeah Dortmund don't really produce no well they do the 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 odd, the odd player comes through their through their academy but all of Ajax's best players seem to come through their academy it yeah. all just seems to be totally homegrown I, I think hands down they're the classiest club in the world yeah, nice. I mean, everything about, I just loved everything about that club. I mean, and then you, you know, you look at the way the pair of them played internationally as well. Like, you know, they were big players in like 88 and 90 and 92. Mm. And it's, you know, it, it's just, was there was it just them something and, about them. And, them and Rude Hullet maybe was Hullet still and walking then about? Later like, down the line, you'd have like Edgar Davids, Van Basten. In his early days with Cruyff, Burkamp, Overmars. Frank, Ronald De Boer, Bandit, like the, the the list goes on. Like in his early days, Van Bronckhorst, uh, Yari Littmanen, like oh, yeah. it's such a shame. Like you look back at some of these great European teams, like really great European teams. Seems like yeah, some of the some of the Dutch teams that we've seen. I think some of the Ger- I mean Germany have had some success recently, yeah. but like there are some great well i mean england actually are the prime example of that of teams that are full of stars and full of amazing players but it just never never clicked yeah Yeah, just never happened for them and and you'd think a a team like that 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 dutch side oh wait did did holland get a european cup in the have they ever won a a euros i feel like they won a euros in 88 didn't they right okay i could be wrong i'll have a look I feel like they won a Euros at but, some point. But, but 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 relative to their talent, 
88. Haven't had a whole lot of... Yeah, Rijkaard wow. basically <laughs> fucking single-handedly won the Euros from an 88. I'm sure well, of it. He was a beast. <laughs> Literally a beast. That... And I wasn't. I was only two years old, but I've seen the videos. Like, <laughs> just phenomenal. Well, so right, rightly making, rightly making your your eleven then, and then the other player you've gone for is is the Italian stallion, the still slickest, still maybe the, the slickest player of, yeah, the slickest oh. player of all time, maybe Andrea. He's Perlo. just a he's just a long haired Paul Scholes, really, but it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, there's just things that this bloke can do with a ball, a football that I just never thought were possible, like just yeah. just again, like it's just. It's so rare that you see players with such ability like that actually do it consistently week in, week out for their entire career. Like it's it Pirlo was just so was it Pirlo, who was it was it Pirlo who scored that flipping goal that knocked us out of the um it was either the World Cup or the Euros, wasn't it, where he penecked it over flipping oh, what was it called? What was the game in the... Was it the World Cup or the I Euros? think it was the 2006 Joe World Hart. Cup. Joe Hart. He did a Penenka, yeah. didn't he, over flipping Joe Hart? 2006 World Cup, I think and I was, it was. And I was actually it? Was watching... that the year... Oh, no, was it? I think it might have been... Was it the year that they won it? Was it the year that they won, it, the, I think it was. won the Euros? It might yeah. have been when um, Balotelli scored the, yeah. did the did the flex celebration and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spain, Spain beat them 4-0 in the final. Oh, year, yeah. Right? Uh, I was in mag- you know what? watching it. I watched, I watched that Might game have been that tournament, screen. though. I watched that game on the big screen at the Trafford Centre. And as soon as he scored that penalty, I was just like, you absolute dickhead. Like, <laughs> never mind the fact that it was Joe Hart in net, I think. But it just, was. just the the audacity of a player to do that and to score it is just like can you imagine the pressure of that penalty shootout for your country or mm-hmm. penalty for your country and you just dink it just literally not even cool as a cucumber like nobody nobody else can do that only Pirlo. There's not quite the same. There's not quite the same flamboyance of somebody like Jordan Henderson taking a no. penalty versus. No, versus but I mean to be Pearl. fair, if if you've got Joe Hart in net though, you'd probably just think, <laughs> "Fuck yeah, whatever." Like, you may as well just put fucking... it down the middle. It's like FIFA where you just press circle without a direction. <laughs> yeah, it's true. it down the middle. But yeah, just just an unbelievable player. Like the things he could do with the ball were just. There's there's probably less than ten people that maybe even less than five players you could put up there with him as being as good as him. It's just. He was just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, he was great. And continuing with Italians, I think this might be the first time he's been picked, which is quite shocking. Maybe it's the second, but you've gone for... I think you've gone left wing, striker, right wing. Left yeah, wing. so basically, I, I I tried for ages to shoehorn people in, and I just said, fuck it, we're having three forwards, and I'm not asked which position they play in. Nice. Because um, it was system, just... Get your players in. I just, I just could not leave, like... I just couldn't leave Del Piero and Batistuta out, like, because they're just unreal. Like, again, Del Piero, the, the the goals that he scored, he scored bags of goals, and he was just always in the right place at the right time. But he was, it always reminded me, and this is a really weird comparison, but like, you know how players who don't really run very much but are just mm. always in the right place at the right time a bit like yeah. Berbatov he was just always a bit like always there when he was in the position he needed to be Del Piero had that in his game but he could also pick the ball up out on the left left side bring it in yeah. and dink it in the top corner 
And he was quite I just a remember, player, wasn't he? Yeah, he was but, just so flamboyant with his football. Like, and I always remember yeah. he used to wear. He always used to wear long sleeve shirts. Didn't matter hmm. whether it was fucking thirty degrees outside, and he's wearing this proper baggy long sleeve shirt. And I just always remember him picking it up on the left and just outside of the foot, just dinging it in the top corner. And yeah. it was just some of the goals that he scored, and again for the length of time that he played at the top level, unbelievable. He, yeah. he, I think he went through every single phase of the Juve shirt of yeah. evolution yeah. and made every yeah. single one look even cooler. It was just, <laughs> even it was the just pink something ones. else. It was just something else. And he, he always, always turned up in the big games. Oh, like you always, get them, you get them yeah. players where they turn up now and again, or you know, he'd, he'd play as well against flipping Verona as he would against Barcelona. Like it was mm. just it was, non-stop. He's a bit like the Raul of yeah. Juventus, isn't he? Yeah. Like just sort of one one club man and just prolific as anything, and just so so consistent. I think yeah. it's like I think players like Del Piero end up making a lot of these these um, all time elevens and stuff because they're so consistent. They don't have it's it's not like you know. All right, they might have a year or so that isn't as successful as the other but it's never really remembered and they're always no. just remembered as being incredibly consistent year in year out they're bagging goals they're winning trophies and they're and they're doing things you know and they and again like you say they turn up in the big games because i feel like that's where a lot of players are sort of or um, made or broken and it's in those in those big games and yeah there's been so many champions league nights where he's he's done it for him you know and absolutely just a loyal servant to, to that that particular club and yeah defo i see him and raul and was david trezeguet at juventus trezeguet at the time was, as well yep, trezeguet yep. was again was again i think a bit of a an unsung hero of that team but it's probably him linking up with del piero perlo like yeah they they were quality and uh Edgar davids was probably there at the time yep. as well and nedved like oh, they were nedved. really Dude, good was someone else i wanted to shoehorn in somewhere Mm. just amazing just, when you passes look at it, of the ball so fluent yeah. fluid when you look at fluid it there's just team. so many players that like I, I genuinely could have put 10 players in the thing you could have put the likes of Stoichkov or Georgie Hadji or yeah. you know li- there's so like Romario or there's just mm. so many players that could have could have gone in there but it's just you've got hard to whittle it down to three <laughs> and well, well keeping a, with Serie A Oh, go on. Yeah, no, because I think this might be another first, um, another first as well. I think it? it is a. I think it is a first. Yeah. Keeping with Syria, which has has been a nice theme in this team a little bit. This guy always remind. Whenever I think of Gabriel Batistuta, I always think of the Fiorentina kit with Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. The purple one that is yeah. probably one of my favorite ever kits. So, um, with Kappa down he, the arms. He literally left foot, right foot. Did not matter where he picked the ball up never ever ever went backwards ever like mm. his sole sole thing was just getting the ball and taking it forward like when he, when he had the ball at his feet he it was almost like the ball was stuck to his feet he would literally mm. pick it up out on the right and he he wouldn't even have the consideration of like passing the ball and to be honest with you in most players that would frustrate the hell out of me but he used to always just have this little knack of picking the ball up in a t- either out wide in space or picking it up in a really tight space and somehow managing to turn a defender and leave him for dust and like again like scored some absolute bangers. 
Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, he well, when was Crespo playing? Sort of early 2000s, Crespo late was, 90s, that Crespo sort was of like thing. late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. I think he preceded sort of players like Van Nistelrooy, but absolutely would have, I think at the time, sort of molded the idea of what a sort of striker should be in terms yeah. of like, yeah, like you said, never, never go back. And, you know, we're, there's another player who's, who's very similar, but he's, he's the other player in your, in your 11 never really look back and just very very silky and no matter what you're not really bothered if they don't pass it because you think nope. if you're going for goal you're more than likely going to score or at least you're going to make a good chance of it and yeah Batistuta was always um, yeah very direct very very direct and just always running with the ball but to be honest I think I just like him for his celebration I just like him for his machine gun celebration yeah That's like I think he was the... just very cool <laughs> he was just a very cool guy yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah, it just, it just sometimes it can just be like you're slick. Like I like, I like, I like the combination of your long hair and your, yeah. your baggy shirt, what and a your little bit of Argentinian. Yeah, Batistuta. Like sometimes all those things do kind of add into making a player special. Up. It's the way that their name sounds. It's the way that they look. It's the way that they move. It's how their yeah. kit sits on them. It's all important, absolutely. And yeah, he did. He did just have. A slickness about him. There was definitely like a, you know, that kind of vibe about him. And I think it's just continuing that. He was a good sort of link of uh, of Argentinian strikers. Was maybe flying yeah, yeah. the flag for Argentinian strikers in the, you know, after I don't know who really succeeded or succeded Maradona. You know, I don't, was, I don't think there was anyone between no uh, except for him between him and Maradona Crespo. And Messi. Yeah, yeah and then Crespo Crespo came along and then after that, you know, you yeah, it's sort of Messi and Messi and Aguero a few years yeah. later. So he was that sort of bridging Argentinian sort of I guess you could say yeah, they don't they've make always got a good striker. They make, him, they make him right. No. They yeah. do. They've they've always got a good they've always got a horrible bastard centre back, Argentina. Yeah. They've <laughs> Every always got single time. Yeah, and they've always got a brutal attack and and it's yeah. sometimes in the midfield where they they sometimes slip away or maybe don't turn up for their country but then again there's the argument that Messi sometimes doesn't turn up for Argentina but yeah. I mean I think we've got a good watching Lataro Martinez for the next few years uh, next yeah years, he's the next he's the next one yeah he's the next one all right so talking to strikers to cap it off I'll let you take it away with the with the final name on your team sheet I spent I spent most of my time watching football absolutely hating this guy because he was so good and the fact that he played for Arsenal, but I think it has to be Thierry Henry. Like, I don't think, and it it's just a French thing, but like, I can't recall a time where a player had such an impact at a club in terms of just being that, that final piece that sort of tipped them over the line of being like, a really really good club like you know it, it says obviously a lot of that's down to you know Wenger and his, his management but I just used to look like Henri was just considering how tall he was he just he, he could again take the ball anywhere like he, he could literally receive the ball anywhere and just be able to turn someone like his movement was great he used to he used to run this fake where like he'd make it look as though he's going one way and the ball had just sneaked back and the defenders already took that step and then the defenders out of position. The amount of times he scored goals like that was just Mate, unbelievable. And I people remember, still couldn't figure it out. I remember the, the being, you know, when I first got into playing football, 
Uh, I used to play up front, and I remember any... Co oh, I didn't play football to a high fucking standard or whatever, but every coach was saying, look at how Henri... It was it was yeah. like, at the time, it was like Henri and R9 who yeah. were like, they drop their shoulders so well and fake out opponents so well. Yep. They don't have to do incredible skill moves. They literally just have to move their body around yep. and, and just have a silky touch. That's they just all sell it. it. They just sold yeah. it every single time. And every The funny thing was, for all the years that Henri played in the Premiership, I don't think anyone ever figured him out. No, no, they didn't. Like, it's, he, he, yeah. he scored bags and like he was just still at the start of his Arsenal career was doing them, doing players, doing defenders the same as he was at the end. Yeah, and that's the thing I think with with Henri is like if you take him out of that Arsenal invincible squad, does does is Arsenal an invincible squad? Like they wouldn't, they could not have done it without him. No. Like and like you said, he is totally that missing link. Because yeah, they had Burkamp and. And you know Perez was 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 playing well at that point, and uh, Perez, sorry, and um, yeah, you know Lundberg again. I don't, I, I think Lundberg's a bit like the bloody like a bit of a Park Ji Sung type player yeah, who's yeah, just yeah. sort of like he does his bit or whatever. But they, yeah. they had, there was an incredible team, but it was it it needed Henri up top there to make it happen. His link up with Burkamp was yeah. just, just unbelievable. Tele it was telepathic. It was that was literally York yeah. and Cole. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it, I I think Burkamp was one of the great like. Um, I know back then he was kind of like a centre forward striker. That sort yeah. of attacking midfielder role hadn't like fully come into being a thing yet. You know what I mean? You were kind of because because so many teams just used to play the four four two back then in in various sort of diff in various sort of variations. It wasn't yeah. ever like. You never really used to get like a four-two-three-one, or like you know, you wouldn't get like out-and-out attacking midfielders. But I think no. Burkamp, I know, I know, we're talking about Henri, but Burkamp, I think, defined or, or sort of sort of brought that into the modern game of like having a player just behind the striker that links up the midfield with the striker, but can still get forward. You know, like De Bruyne and, and Bruno do these days, where it's like. They're sort of second strikers, but they link the play so well. It's like, yeah, that was just a minute, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, there was such high hopes for fucking, like, players like Martial to be Henri, you know what I mean? There's, there's so many players who are, like, tipped to be the next Henri, and there's, it's the hard to find sentence, them. You're, you're and they, exactly, on, because yeah. he was so good. He was so good that you can't really compare players to Henri. You can't say he's doing Henri-like things because it's like, well, if he's doing Henri-like things, he's got to win three Premier League trophies and score fucking 30-plus yeah. goals or 25, 30-plus goals a season. And until he's doing that, he's not really Henri, is he? So... Yeah, yeah, and even when he went, and even when he went to Barca as well, still smashed it for the few seasons that yeah. he was at Barca. I mean... People always forget that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like, because kind of because because it's because he wasn't when he left Arsenal. I think people just kind of yeah he went to Barcelona was still doing well, it. Well, <laughs> and with Barca, he was playing amongst Ronaldinho, Samuel yeah. Eto'o, Messi was just coming onto the fold, and just got, such a, an amazing Barcelona team that it it was a step up for him. And sure, I'm sh I don't know. It's one of them where it's like Fatiari on we on Going from Arsenal to Barca, was that a step up for his career, or was it kind of like? I think a, it's. I think it's something. Did he where step into a different realm? Was he sort of just yeah. at a level? You know, Listen, he was. A, you've he was got a, you've got Javi and Iniesta passing your balls that 
you know, if you saw those kind of balls in the Premier League week in, week out, you're going to be like, oh my God. But in La Liga, <laughs> it's just it's just what they do every week. And oh, it's only yeah. Thierry Henry running onto it. Like, it's just clockwork. And yeah. it's the it's the, it's the the biggest quality clockwork you've ever seen. So, mm. Mm, What a team, though. What a good, a good team, team that is. A good team. Going to enjoy putting this graphic together. Right, so this is the bit <laughs> where we invoke the poetic license. Um, <laughs> this was really musical difficult subs. as well. Why um, you think they translate to be good footballers? Let's go for it. I'm not... So, basically, I, I kind of flipped that a little bit because I was thinking more of a, a team thing rather than how necessarily someone would uniquely be good. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of thought to myself, do you know what? Like, I need... I was kind of trying to think of people because, to be honest, most of the music that I listen to probably wouldn't translate to being good footballers. Um, but... <laughs> I know for sure that anyway, Winston from Parkway Drive is uh, actually a Mate, decent he's footballer. Decent. So because yeah. we we actually used to play whenever they used to tour in um, in Germany, there was always a Empiricon six or seven aside game with us versus Parkway, and I've definitely been kicked several times by most of the people in that band. <laughs> um, but they're just yeah, decent as uh, footballers, full of energy, and. Um, they're also known for being a little bit crazy, so I could kind of see that dynamic working really well in a dressing room. Yeah. Mate, um, I've, I think me and Pals both have stories of playing footy with Parkway. Um, yeah, and both being... And beat. one of them... And one of them... Uh, I mean, mine I've already told on the podcast, so don't know which episode it is, but you'll have to listen to them all, Soz. Um But <laughs> um, involves Winston getting knocked clean out by Pi. Oh. Pi just absolutely steamrolled Winston <laughs> like just 50-50 ball just yeah, yeah. unstoppable force uh, unmovable felt, object I've definitely felt that whole um, like seeing someone about to slide in in the corner of your eye and like jumping out of the way for fear of getting chopped because they basically every single thing that that band does is competitive so mm, yeah. they're not just competitive against whoever they're playing against but whoever they are it's against each with. other as yeah well. so it's yeah, like yeah right okay yeah this is going to be interesting but yeah I've definitely i definitely been... got I defo got that vibe as well, and and as well, Winston was knocked out for probably a couple seconds or whatever, Jesus. and they got this little like buggy over and that, and the Parkway boys were literally just taking photos, like <laughs> yeah, like just literally like didn't give a shit, and went and played a set forty minutes later, and I went to watch, it was on Warped, and I went to watch because I was like this will be interesting because I know <laughs> what's just happened, yeah, and Winston yeah. said on stage like yeah. So Pi knocked me out about forty minutes ago. I'm a <laughs> bit fucked. <laughs> um, so yeah, all about all about Winston being in there. That that just makes sense, and especially to me and pals, because yeah, we've we've You'll know, yeah, we've actually it, played against him, I'm which glad is that a you rare played one. Because yeah, it will definitely make sense to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I also chose um, Vincent Bennett, the singer from the Acacia oh, Strain. A scary primarily, man. A scary voice. Yes. Yeah. Primarily <laughs> Big man. because. Yeah. I just basically love the Acacia Strain and every single song just sounds like the kind of soundtrack that I imagine getting murdered to because <laughs> it's just his his vocal is just Satan himself terrifying. it is yeah. and I could just imagine him being a terrifying centre back because I could just imagine people probably wouldn't want to mess with him if he started growling at them 
He's got a stature of a centre back as he's, well. Like, he's a good six four, six five, maybe. I think. Yeah, big, six big, four, six lad. five, but big, really big, and like long legs as yeah. well. Like the way, like he's he built and and long. Guy. Yeah, a so big we, guy. We did yeah. Warsaw with him in 2017, and every time the Acacia Strain came on, you knew it because the whole ground just sounded. Yeah. The tone lowered. And the sound of death would reach yeah. the air. <laughs> I was at um, Bamboozle in 2009, I think it was. And i it's probably the first time I've actually seen people, like, almost getting killed. Like, <laughs> I've never seen so many... See- I mean, I did, like, two warp Tours, and I think they played a couple of dates on that, and I've just never seen so much security and so much death, like, in, in one right. place. It's just absolute carnage plus it's just funny because like i always love how those bands just make you feel terrified but they're actually just really nice guys yeah oh, great. I, I, I remember wes used to eat lunch with with vincent every day and it was yeah. like magic didn't they yeah yeah it was yeah. yeah and it was literally just like yeah he's really 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 lovely guy and i'm just like you don't fucking look it he comes on stage every day udder yeah. up in like hundred <clears throat> summit fahrenheit weather just commanding people to kill each other. I thought um, um, once upon a time I was at a shit like a warp tour warm up show in um, some shit hole in Arizona, and um, I actually thought that DL, their old, I don't know if you ever saw DL, their old guitar player, yeah. he was like he was jacked, and um, <laughs> it was I, I basically almost got my ass beat off him because um, we we basically loaded in late and they'd already sound checked and like left, and the promoter was like, yeah yeah, the Acacia Strain just said you can use their cabs. So just like right, okay, plug into their cabs like QDL coming back from flipping Pizza Hut and being like, "What the fuck are you doing using our cabs?" And I'm like, "Um, no, nothing." Like the promoter said it was fine. He's just like, "Unplug your shit and get it out of my cab." We're like, <laughs> "Okay, sorry." Like I'm like, "Please don't choke me." Like <laughs> it's probably the closest, the most fearful I've ever been for my life without actually being in a fist fight. <laughs> And if you uh, if you want to laugh, anyone that's never listened to the Acacia Strain before, go and listen to the song Tactical Nuke because it is Tactical a fucking nuke. joke. It is a joke. Oh, it is. Beast ben, I don't think you've heard that. To be fair. Ramirez is an unbelievable song. I swear, I've blown <laughs> one of the speakers in my um, in my wife's car by playing that song too loud. <laughs> Isn't there a insane. napalm? Is what's the what's the napalm death song that lasts like fucking? seconds. seconds. Well, 1.5 seconds. This, this, seconds is that big of a joke? Nah, this tactical nuke song. So I think it's just like it's kind of like a normal song, and then towards the end when the breakdown happens, the, the <laughs> breakdown cycles, and the, yeah. every time it cycles, it gets slower. So it's yeah. like dun 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 dun. It seems to and, go and forever. Dun 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 and then just keeps going. That's what's great though, because like. There are so many like there's probably loads of fans out there who don't who think that that's like a proper creative choice and think that that is like super like wow yeah they're like, yeah. cutting edge metal here yeah. and it's like it's a joke it's, it's a copy full and paste yeah. it's Tempo, a piss tempo take. down it is fully <laughs> yeah. fully it's piss take yeah all right, so in when you when you submit the, the, the Vinnie Jones of metal, that's what I'm going to call him, the Vinnie Jones right. of metal, because he fucking <laughs> he looks it, he looks it. He's a bit I more like he Julian Dix. right so when you submitted the team paul you said there was a bit of a wild weird theory behind this choice yeah because please elaborate i was kind of i was kind of thinking of this whole thing from a team perspective and obviously thinking quite tactically and i kind of figured that 
nobody you know like you get those players where basically nobody likes them so like david Luiz, for example like mm. just yeah. there's just, there's just players yeah there's just certain players that you just hate and you, you just hope they get chopped and i think sometimes that takes away from what's actually happening in the rest of the game so it's a bit like that whole like a bit of aggro in the team and i kind of thought to myself who is a person who is like musical who is ju- people just do not like because this could be a really good tactical thing where just to throw people <laughs> off and think like they're going to be put so a bastard focused. in the team get yeah, a bastard gonna, in there yeah, yeah. yeah there's going to be someone that nobody likes and it, i just think that it's going to work so i picked bono from you too because <laughs> if it, let's be honest he is the, like, co- yeah, yeah, the world's biggest piece of shit yeah, nobody Park, fucking likes biggest it, so turd in the world <laughs> i could see this being a tactical advantage primarily because i could just see red cards like yeah. I think someone yeah. you know someone's gonna go in for a tackle, leave leave a bit on him, and then you know Or just he... change the atmosphere of game a bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Bono comes on. <laughs> yeah, everyone's Even saying like, that oh, Bono comes on. Everyone's uh, and then he scores the winner. <laughs> yeah. He scores the it winner is... or, or 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 you know, you just bring him on to just piss off an away team, yeah. you just bring him on to just rile up the opposition fans a bit. Just you know, one you're of them away again. Horrible, against... horrible players that it's like It'd be like flipping, I don't know, flipping Chelsea bringing on John Terry at Old Trafford. It'd be like Neymar. It'd be a bit of a Neymar vibe. I feel like it'd be going down a lot. But like, would would occasionally have like, it would be like a whole build up, and he has like one magical, like, back heel touch that sets up the game, but he spends the rest of the game just like going down. And especially because I could imagine Bono being a proper soft ass. (laughs) <laughs> so you could just oh, imagine yeah. him like falling over for no reason and everyone oh, just hate him. Y- do you know what? Yeah, 100%, well, yeah. You're talking of the way that pundits going on players now. Bono having an absolute shitter of a game and then Roy Keane pulling his fucking pants down. <laughs> could you imagine? Would be hilarious. <laughs> Roy Keane <laughs> drilling Bono Island. would be the great. Shame of yeah. Island. I could just yeah, picture it now. Well, I could literally there's just no it. need. There's just no need. What's he going down there for? It's not. It's not a real game. The game's gone. Oh, right. Well, that was a good eleven and, and three good subs. That yeah. kind of brings us to the brings us to the close. What a good yeah. episode. It's decent. No, yeah, it was a great uh, episode. Nice to talk Thanks about football much. for a while. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I mean, don't do, I don't do it all day every day. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if uh, yeah, Paul, is there? Any, I mean, we have talked about your your current venture but uh i guess if you just want to reiterate for people where they can where they can find the terrace and and uh yeah yeah you just pl- plug Absolutely. away so I'm, I'm not really very good at this because i'm not particularly eloquent but um yeah you can check <laughs> us out at the terrace store.com um and on twitter at the terrace life i think i don't ever i was Mate. thinking about this the other day and someone said yeah what's your twitter and i was like what is our Twitter actually? Because even though we got like forty thousand followers, I was like, I don't actually tweet it. I don't tweet at my own Twitter. So like, what is it? But um, yeah, at the yeah. terrace at life. At the terrace life. Um, yeah, Palsy knows because Palsy. Palsy is very much all over it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but until you get that United thing in me, um, I'm, I'm such a yeah. fickle fan. I don't no, want to. Like, get the. Re- Get the parade, and... but I just can't. I can't imagine that United things ever gonna happen. Oh because... no, it's never gonna happen. The Glazers, mate, they're like fully keeping it <laughs> all in their pocket, mate. They're not letting a single bit Nobody's of fucking image nothing. licensing going out no. to going out to no one. No, but get Wrexham, mate. Get Wrexham on it, and I'll be I'll be lapping it all up. I'll be lapping it all up. But yeah, very very stoked, and it's great to see someone from the world of music who can. 
you know, become a bit jaded and disillusioned with the world of music, which we all can. Um, it's a crazy, crazy world, and 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 find their feet in the world of of football in that sort of perfect marriage, you know, of like, you know, everything that you've learned from the alternative world into the world of football. It's just. Yeah, it's great, and it's what we're all about, you know, is merging those two worlds, and you've you've had the, a, a great example of that journey. So, oh, um, cool, yeah, thanks very much, man, and and you know, um, yeah, just best of luck for everything in in the future with the terrace. I'm sure it's gonna just go from strength to strength, and um, yeah, we'll we'll always be big supporters, and um, yeah, just best of luck, man, and and thanks so much for being on the podcast, and and oh, that's cool, man. Fucking stoked to have another United fan on because you know sometimes if we're if we're if we're on with like a, yeah, a rival we've got fan, a space out now. We've <laughs> mate, the bees one, the bees one, dude. Like being on with a being on with an Arsenal fan and just having to banter it out and just have to listen and sort of praise Arsenal fans yeah. for a bit was was was, was <laughs> oh, sort was of tough. Moment, so it's good to... Had to separate them. <laughs> oh mate, he doesn't like, reckon boys, Greenwood's anything. Boys. He creased at my thing about Greenwood. I was like, mate, Greenwood's in that top crop. And I mean, what? Ah, did, I'm not even going to get into. Him to, uh, you did re- listen before we go. You did relate him to Mbappe in current form. And, f- right? and how? No, hey, yeah, all I, right, all right. I've done. I did. I've done the I didn't. Same. <laughs> okay. I didn't. Yeah. Well, I actually said a couple of weeks s- ago in the office that. Um, and this is going to sound, I'm, I'm going to put this out there anyway, even though I probably shouldn't. I actually <laughs> uttered the words that Mason Greenwood is the best natural finisher of a ball that I've seen since Michael Owen. Maybe. Uh, and someone laughed at me and said that I, it was Ivan Tony. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Well, Ivan Tony can finish it, but Mason Greenwood is 19 and going to be yes. a world star. So yeah. Well, this is what that's what I was saying, but yeah, it's 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 nice to have uh, a United fan on and it's nice to have yeah, just a, a, another lad from the world of touring who uh, who loves a kickabout because people think that we don't exist and we nope. do. So so yeah. <laughs> All right, sick. Well, thanks for that. Thanks Appreciate so much, it. man. Enjoy um, some download, boys. 